Hello everybody and welcome back to Prequelizers, aka Season 6 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Matthew Stogden. <laughs> Wolverine. Nailed it. <laughs> this film has so much shouting in it. <laughs> I was going to go with Rugobri uh, Blob, but no, this oh, film... Oh, God, that's the... Oh. Just we'll, we'll shouting. Get, we will get to that. And also joining us is Tim Matum. I'm the best there is of what I do, and what I do is the greatest show! <laughs> hey! Very good. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I should have gone with, and I'm Wolverine! <laughs> <laughs> Well, he did that at the Tonys, didn't he? I'm Wolverine! He did like his big sing show thing at the end. He did yeah. his big song and dance m- m- like thing at the intro. I think it's the intro of the Tonys. Yeah, he's hosted it, I and think, he, a couple of times. And he like and dances around. He went through his entire career and just oh, ended Christ. with the gl- with the, with the claws. <laughs> and I'm Wolverine! Like, fuck, all right, Hugh, we get it. All right, Jack. If you, if you hadn't already guessed... <laughs> We're fixing Invictus. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the Nelson Mandela <laughs> rugby film, created by Clint Eastwood, starring Matt Damon and Morgan Freeman. Fuck you know. Summit shouting and I've, I've recast Nelson. Hugh Jackman is playing Nelson Mandela. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you know. Oh god. What Sorry, I can't go do, wrong. Do carry on. We are fixing. A very requested already. As soon as people knew prequelizers was happening, two things were requested. Mm. Well, three things actually. One mm. of them, one of them might be coming later. One of them has already mm. happened. Is Prometheus, mm. known as the gold standard of shitty prequels, <laughs> <laughs> according to people on our Discord. The other one is this because this is an infamously bad prequel. We are of course talking about X Men Origins Wolverine. And unlike Prometheus, it's quite irredeemable. Well, we're going to try and redeem <laughs> yeah. it, but it's it's un it, not unwatchable, but it's fuck objectively me, it's bad. Yes, it's a bad, Promet- bad film. Pe- people like Prometheus, and even as we talked about in the episode, we were sat there watching it for our commentary available now on Patreon. If you do want to go and back us and check out that, it has redeemable qualities, and it looks fantastic at times. It's an eight-year-old film, and Prometheus still holds up yeah, yeah. to the effects and the shots and the designs and the cool suits and all that kind of stuff. Sets and cool CGI moments and weird, shitty CGI moments, but mostly hmm. really cool stuff. Fuck me, this film is 11 years old and looks terrible, and and yeah. it famously leaked pre-visual effects completion <laughs> yeah. and everybody was like well, it's going to be fine They're gonna, obviously they'll fix all the problems and the most infamous scene is a uh, good old Wolverine with his adamantium claws as if he'd forgotten he got adamantium claws for some reason <laughs> in a bathroom for you know just a little comedy scene <laughs> for no fucking reason and he like goes cling 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 <laughs> Cling, 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 and like hits his claws together about fifteen times, and they 
they just like cartoon cut and paste little like 2D things that are just yes. on top of the shot. It's so weird. There's no depth. There's no shimmer to them. There's no texture to them. Uh, they They're do just spark, like Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's none of the things I just said. Um, and then they just go ching, 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 ching when they spark. And then he goes, whoops, cut a radiator in half. Which, admittedly, don't I know worry, people I'll don't pay like for that. It's like, fucking hell. People don't like this film, but they do that in The Amazing Spider Man with uh, Andrew Garfield, and that kind of works. He's discovering his powers for the first time. supposed oh, to be oh, goofy oh. and silly. It's yeah. also fucking Spider Man. That, that, <laughs> that kind of works. I mean, I know that film's got a, a bit of hatred in itself, but the point is that there is a time for that kind of sequence, and this wasn't it. Well, I mean, uh, this, this film has a multitude of sins. Um, and, <laughs> really? And I, yep. I think that there is it's, it is not good it's a trash film um, there is a certain enjoyment that I have from it that I don't get from say Dark Phoenix because it's so ridiculously bad yeah. um, hmm. like I if, if I saw Dark Phoenix was on the TV I probably wouldn't watch it if I saw oh I absolutely wouldn't watch it I still haven't seen it, <laughs> if, I saw, watch it. if I saw Wolverine was on the TV I might sit down and watch it and just and Ooh. just be like, God, this is bad. This um, is just as Tim, bad as I remember. This is a good question. If I'm saying what's the worst X-Men film, the first thing that would have come to my mind immediately is X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm. However, Dark Phoenix is so spectacularly bad as well, mm. I'm not sure which is worse. I think See, you're right I, though. It's not about I, being worse or bad. It's, it's a question of what's more watchable. I think Dark. I think Dark Phoenix is less watchable. Um, mm. I think. I think you can have fun watching this. You don't like hands holding helicopters. I like one hand <laughs> for Jean Grey. Oh no, one hand Magneto. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> two hands Jean Grey. No, two hands Magneto. Because <laughs> hands. That's yeah. how that power works. Yeah. So this this film is 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 trash. I won't even say that there's good parts of it, but there are parts that I kind of enjoy because it's so stupid. Um, but, yeah, but I will yeah. say, like those cl- that that moment with the claws, like why I don't know what the thinking was, why they switched from practical <laughs> claws, which they had used for the X Men films, and presumably still fit on yeah Hugh Jackman's I, I, hands. I, I, <laughs> I, I watched a like timeline of Wolverine in the X Men mm. universe thing, like. Because, you know, the timeline is all completely fucked. Mm. And they literally compared the shots of him in the first X-Men film, which is nearly 10 years (laughs) before this one. Yeah, and 20 years old at this point. (laughs) He does the extension of the middle claw towards the guy's throat thing. still looks good. It looked great. You would have no idea. Mm. And I assume that's a combination of practical and a bit of effects coming out of the thing and all that kind of stuff. And, like, it's a mixture of both. As you said, Tim... Why the fuck did they just get these weird, like, early 2000s CGI? It looks like it's out of fucking reboot or something. It, do, it like does. This... It looks like a PlayStation oh, 2 cutscene. <laughs> uh, Absolutely, yeah. Just pasted over the top of live action stuff, and yeah. it just doesn't sit. The lighting's completely wrong. <laughs> None of it interacts with anything until it suddenly does, yeah. and then it just, like, clips through stuff as if it were a fucking PlayStation game. God, it's so weird. I'm 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 half surprised that like the door doesn't open up and there's not Tim Curry the other side saying that he's about to go <laughs> to the one place capitalism hasn't got yet. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. It it's worth talking about this for a second. I know we're getting like in a bit of a minutiae quite quickly with regards to the CGI, but 
we really need to talk about this. X-Men 1 and 2, I know Brian Singer's a cock, but they were helmed by the same person. Mm -hmm. So they look like basically the uh, extension of the same thing. X-Men Last Stand, different production. We've covered that uh, in a previous season, season four, in fact. It's a very problematic film on many, many, many levels. It still part, mostly seems aware of what it is, though, mm. as in what a what the previous X-Men films have done. This, um, not chronologically speaking, so, but release order, is the fourth X-Men film to be made cinematically. It is a new director, and as far as my new production team, it's very much focused on Wolverine, and the whole focus that Fox had at this point was we want to have lots of spin-off movies about individual X-Men. Mm -hmm. They were planning one about Magneto, which ended up being kind of first class anyway. But the point was with this Wolverine one, it was it was like, right, he is now the main character. And we always talk about this. Taking a side character and putting him in the front of things doesn't always work. Now, this is actually an example that defies the rule. Because, of course, you can put a Wolverine front and centre. <laughs> He's his own separate character. He's not just the thing constructed for a movie. He is a separate entity, and, and like in the comic mm. universe. And also at the same time, those X-Men films, he was the main character. Yeah, the, 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 the problem <laughs> so. here is not that they took a side character and then made him a main character in his own film. It's that they mm. took a side character and made him the main character in the ensemble films and Precisely. then span him off. And, 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 and then span him yeah. off, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yet, this film does more damage... Um, arguably, then, something like Last Stand. So that because... old guy's radiator, am I right? <laughs> uh, uh? I don't know how, though, because those fucking polygons just slicing through <laughs> it. Um, but yes, the, the, the ridiculous concept that it doesn't know anything about Wolverine. It doesn't understand the character. And you'd think Jackman would understand by now. Um, so things like, for example, in, in the first film... It also, when it also Paquin... doesn't know anything about Wolverine's the animal, because it gets them no. confused with wolves. Yeah, exactly. Correct. It's like, this is the same thing, right? Uh, most definitely not. Um... So Anna Paquin as Rogue, when she first meets Wolverine and the claws are there and he, she's the sort of like marks on his knuckles and things like that. And she says, does it hurt when they come out? And he goes, and every, every time. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant delivery. Perfect. Every time. So good. So Except that's so Wolverine. Film, in this film, yeah. it only hurts once when they're bone claws. And I'm going to say this. I say this every time. I know I'm not alone. Bone claws are bullshit. <laughs> I don't think it's a controversial statement. The adamantium claws, chnick, whatever, whether they're the thin claws from the 80s or the big ones from the, like, the early 2000s, whatever it is, they're cool. They're knives in your hands. Drop the knife, sir. I can't. They're attached. Great. Awesome. Bone claws look stupid. <laughs> These bony fucking finger nonsense. Hate it. I hate them but, so much. Yeah. The, the finger nonsense is what, what they look like bugs me more. Because they turn from fingers into knives, <laughs> and it, it goes from a, a stabby, pointy thing into a slashy weapon. And it's like, how have you transformed? The experiment is mm. to just coat his skeleton in adamantium. Yeah. So it should replicate the shape of his skeleton. But no, yeah. <laughs> they just turn into knives for some reason. And I will, I will mm, a little bit address this you, in the pitch. You miss, but, they, yeah. they cut out the bit where a blacksmith goes in and uh... <laughs> yeah, and like shines him up real good and like yeah. polishes off his fucking adamantium claws. And like <laughs> to be fair, the scene where he gets the claws and does the whole like <sighs> and like screams and stuff is quite Wolverine. Like that, that, that huge Jackman mm -hmm. like freaking out and flexing his ridiculous muscles and doing. He, all he's played this thing. character long enough to know what to do with that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And what they do with the the Weapon X stuff is like, okay, cool, yeah, this is we're gonna see him like 
brainwashed and all this kind of stuff. And why, why is Will I Am here? <laughs> <laughs> What's Dominic Monaghan doing in here? Who the fuck is that guy? Uh, I said that, by the way, in Rise of the Skywalker as well. What's Dominic Monaghan doing here? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Why is Taylor Kitsch in this film? Oh, yeah. oh, is this... Are they trying to do a shitty version of X-Force? Or Alpha Flight? Or both? What the <laughs> fuck are they doing? What is that supposed to be dead the Deadpool? Not Deadpool. The Deadpool. <laughs> God I think maybe my biggest problem with that, and I very much address this in my pitch. Spoilers, I'm writing this one. <laughs> that fucking team of mutants is so boring, yep. so pointless, so completely misunderstood from how they are in the comics, how they show up later on in other fucking films and stuff. They're just complete nonsense and pointless to be not even really relevant to the entire plot of the movie. They exist so Sabretooth can kill them. Hmm. And that's it. It's very much, and this is something that frustrates me about Deadpool 2, actually, as well, is that yeah. oh, it's, a, it's the attitude of, oh, the fans come in expecting to see more characters. Because the, X, because the X-Men has such a huge cast, the fans are expecting yes. to see more characters that we haven't got around to yet. So who haven't we got around to yet? Who can we tick off from this box that we haven't touched on yet? And so you get, yeah, you get Will I Am as John Wraith. You get a bo- just an awful version of Deadpool that is, I mean, what can we say? Like, everyone is aware of how terrible been that... taken the piss out of by the real Deadpool, yes. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get this weird, like, Gambit has no place being in this film... He just fights Wolverine for no reason. And then he gives and him a Wolverine, plane ride. Uh, mm. Well, he does that like helicopter thing with his stick, yeah. which breaks the law. This film breaks all the laws of physics as well. We'll get to the helicopter yeah. thing later on. Mm. But the helicopter thing with his, with his fucking stick, and they fight for no reason, because they're still on the same side at this point. They just start fighting for no reason. <laughs> and then Wolverine starts cutting up that fire escape. <laughs> And we get to some of the worst CGI and like oh planning God. you've ever seen in your life. We'll just <laughs> cut, 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 scramble, 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 cut, 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 cut. It's the worst. We also get the lovely bit of Gambit after his uh, like staff has been cut in two, where he's just climbing up the wall by hammering it into the side, into the because that's how bricks work. Yeah, and it's like Gambit, a super a mutant that is not known for his super strength. I hasten yeah. to add. He just has the like magical kinetical powers and stuff, but no, he can stab metal, wood, whatever that yeah. fucking thing is, into brick with his bare hands yeah. and just fucking climb up a mountain. Oh. Jesus Christ, this film. So it bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think this is this is the thing we we discussed this previously in our last stand episode. This was the reason, well, one of the reasons why Last Time was bad. They were distracted by this movie. They were trying so mm. much to work on two different things and they both sort of came out shit. It's like eating and talking at the same time. You, you're doing a shit job of both of them. You're going to um, choke. You're going to choke. <laughs> and they did. X-Men Origin Wolverine. If, if we just break it down very quickly for any, just in case, I think our demographic analysis of the ship will know this film inside out, but just in case you haven't seen the film. X-Men is a movie franchise and it is about these mutant people. Fine. No problem at all. It's all good. I'd hope all the listeners know that much. <laughs> I don't think so. Wolverine, uh, Origins Wolverine, is told after Last Stand, and he's grieving the death of Jean Grey because he had to stab her in the gut because she was all crazy, yo. Because um, women can't have power. Correct. 
Uh, sorry, correct that happened. Not correct, I agree with that statement. Um, and then he's having some memories of times that he last trusted a woman um, and how it went badly for him. Um, and it flashes back to the 70s, and I'm, I know I'm leaping over a huge thing here for a second. So the bulk of the film That's is the 70s. That's how the film works too, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, and he's um, you know, asked to join a task force and they give him the ability to get revenge on his ex sorry, ex, deceased, I should say. It's the woman in the fridge mindset. She's, you know, the motivation to him actually joining this group. And I said, give me the, give me the strength to do it. So, okay, we'll give you these bone coverings of metal and shit. And, ah! Anyway, and then he finds out he's been betrayed and turns on each other and then the group turns on each other and, oh my God, it's terrible. And he takes a bullet into the face and forgets who he is. That's it. However, there's also a giant plot point whereby in the 1800s, he's a little boy and has a half-brother, it seems, um, who is Sabretooth? Who is Sabretooth? Who has already been established in previous films yep. to be nothing like this character. Um, and, and they think... met in X Men One. Yes, and they're not like, "Hey, brother, yeah. how are you? Yeah, been a long time. Holy shit! It's just yeah. like nothing." Because Sabretooth doesn't even fucking speak in X Men One because he's gone all feral and mental. That's not true. Uh, he, he does get, say, he, he does say, "Scream for me." Yeah, you owe me a scream. <laughs> Oh Dream. yeah, sure. Yeah, Great. I mean, I admittedly, the problem is that they've already done the character, and they want to go back and make the character more significant, based on you know the events of this movie and other mm. things and inspiration for comics and blah blah blah. So rather than try and work it in or figure out how they can get, um, I'm trying to remember who the actor was at the time. It's Ty- Ty- uh, Tyler Maine. Yeah, Tyler Maine is the Tyler Maine, yeah. X-Men one. And they're yeah. like, well, we're not really going to more bankable stars, and we could do more with etc. And that's I kind of understand that, not in a mean way. Because we're starting a new franchise called X Men Origins: Colon Name of the X Men, <laughs> yes. so we need people that we can, can you know, we like, can count yes. on, precisely reappear in the other ones. To be fair, like the the, the saber tooth that features in X Men, and it makes sense that if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna do a Wolverine film and you are a movie executive who perhaps has not read many of the comics, like the villain who is most associated with him, particularly like at this time, is Saber Tooth. Yeah, the, it's the, yeah. Na- name name and. A rival or yeah. enemy or villain of Wolverine. Ninety-nine percent oh. of people are going to go. Oh, you mean Sabretooth? Yeah. Like, um, and the the Sabretooth in X Men One is basically just an action figure that gets thrown against the X Men. Like he does not have a yeah, personality. Yeah. Like you said, he barely has lines. Like, yeah. even even if you used that version with a different actor, he's not going to make a great villain for a film. Yes, he's he's a henchman. Mm. He's not the the actual architect, as it were. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, he's also a henchman in, in X Men Origins Wolverine, but with his own agenda, which makes yeah. him more dangerous, interesting, and feral, and dare I say, an animal. Um, and mm. that's and and to be fair, Liev Schreiber, great fucking actor, and a good choice for the role. I think he's he's genuinely interesting. He's one um, of the best things about Origins. Mm. Well, until sure. he starts running. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with his leap, we're doing and motions now. And they do a now. fucking freeze frame during the ah. World War. <laughs> So he like jumps stupid. out of a trench on D-Day, like meh, meh. which is almost exactly what they had fucking Kelsey Grammer doing as Beast as well. It's like they, yeah, had, it's the same they had they had one person thing. who was not quite like they didn't get like you know a Terry Notary or someone and just be like, okay, these yeah, guys are like yeah. animalistic. How would they move? They just were like uh, all fours. The I wire guess. work, the wire work in all the X Men films, he's fucking terrible. <laughs> Yeah, whether you, whether you've got Storm doing a little swirly spinny things <laughs> or fucking Toad jumping about or whatever it is, 
It's the it reminds worst. me of uh, Better Hold On Tight Little Spider Monkey from Twilight. <laughs> where he runs up the hill and it's clearly just a, they're just being dragged along by a, a, a crane on a wire and you go and just move your feet along like a fucking Sonic. It's like, that looks stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so Origins is a bad film full stop. Now, I don't understand how because at the end of the day, it's not like a, um, a Pirates of the Caribbean film where you're going back and focusing on a side character. Because there are lots of uh, inspirational things you can draw on in the comics. There's a, there's a huge lots of reference. Yeah. Exactly. There's, there's so many stories. Forty you could... years worth of comics, almost yeah. forty years at this point. And I feel like they didn't really get any of them right. They just got a, like a bowl of names that they knew the pe- things they could get away with and things they knew the people would want. People were calling out for Gambit. People were calling out for Deadpool. And people wanted Wolverine. Fine, we'll give them to all those. Except we'll just smush him in badly yeah collapse souffle i mean it's it's kind of the thing that they did with x-men the last stand as well where uh the mm. they wanted to do the dark phoenix saga but they also wanted to do the gift run uh, yes, exactly. from uh joss whedon's uh mm. recent run at that t- at the time in this it's astonishing x-men isn't it? yeah at, in this they want to do like the weapon x wolverine getting his his adamantium which they've already kind of done in x2 but if you want to revisit uh, it yeah. fair they, enough. they have the flashbacks of that yeah literally yep yeah. they yeah, let's deal with they also try and do origin the the miniseries that had finally because for wolverine's kind of origin is- and his real name had been a mystery in comics for uh basically like 35 years and then they finally were like okay here's what he was growing up kind of thing what well, was it the idea that the movies are taking over, and if we don't come up with an answer, they'll think of one first. Yeah. We need to write something. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because the origin was but... in the early 2000s, which is around yeah. the same time. Mm. Uh, it was published, let me have a look, uh, November of 2001. Yeah. So that sounds about af- right, yeah. after the first X-Men film. Yeah. So you've got that. Mm. Yeah. They also, they also bring in stuff from... Uh, what I believe is called Team X in the comics, where he's working with John Wraith and... Uh, alongside Sabretooth and with the the character who in this is called Agent X and is Korean, who in the comics is called Maverick and is German. Um, um, I'm okay for the diversity. I'm happy with yeah. that. Um, sure, you know, but... bad film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then they have then they bring Deadpool in as well, just because he's co- a comic character that is sort Ooh. of tangentially associated with the X Men and is very popular. <laughs> and they, I mean, they're in Canada, so and they throw in Baby Cyclops. And Emma Frost. Oh God! Oh God! Da- and, and Charles and Xavier. Charles Xavier, Xavier showing up. Fucking yeah! The the, the moment when they fuck the timeline and <laughs> spo- spoiler alert for my pitch. I don't touch the fucking timeline in the same way that they do because Good. I can't. I can't handle that in my brain. I can't live with the they, guilt of that. How they balk it so quickly is like yeah. As soon as they get out of the main trilogy, you're like, right, what else do we need to do? Like, well, we can go and explore other parts of the yeah. X-Men universe. Or <laughs> or we can have a young Cyclops in there. Yeah. What what do you mean? What do you mean we can have a young No, we've we we've got Cyclops already. If you go back in time well if he's a kid in the seventies, then how old how old is he supposed to is is James Marsden sixty? Like what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, given given that the you know, James Masters was maybe like 30 at the most, probably late 20s, when he made X-Men, which was meant to be set in the future. It says that the, mm. it says that it's like near future. So it's, near it's, future set yes. in, it's set yeah. in 2003. Yeah. Fun, fun fact. Yeah. So 
the distant future of three years from now, <laughs> doing a doing a Predator two. Yeah. How did someone not sit down and go, yeah, like how come how can he be fifteen in nineteen seventy whatever and twenty-eight in two thousand and three? I I, yeah. I can answer that. Producers don't care about the <laughs> they, details. Correct. They'll say, he's a recognizable guy from the first one. People like his cool ra- mm. laser beam face, and that'll be the end of the conversation. And then he's in the movie. That's it. And, and then it's like, well, why is he a prisoner if he's got a super laser beam concussive <laughs> bullshit? It's like he can just blast his way out. Uh, no, he can't. Wolverine has to save him. Um, okay, what about Emma Frost and her diamond skid? No, 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 no. They have to be saved. What she's, are you talking she's, about? She's a 30-year-old woman 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> now she's a kid. What, what the fuck? She's, she's an adult in first class, which is set in the 60s. Well, what are you guys doing? We will give them credit in the fact that, that first class came out after this and effectively... Yeah retconned it or, or tried to at least and just like, I don't care what happened in that movie moving on but, that's fair but also but this time why, mm. why you would throw Emma Frost in for what basically amounts to a cameo in this film when she's like this fascinating character who like at the time in the comics was at a central character to the X-Men with loads of stuff to explore with her and they basically just throw it away and just be like oh yeah look look there she is she's a kid uh, she's, I mean, that, she's meant to be again, like was, 20 I think in this or whatever but that that was the early 2000s it was just a case of like here's a name recognition fuck it good enough yeah it's like what are you just, doing just chuck them in there I'll be fine yeah and that that whole thing it, it all leads up to and like the final battle if you describe it in a very vague sense sounds kind of fucking amazing where it's like Wolverine on top of a nuclear power plant battles a mutant that is combined of all the other mutants' powers and he has to cut its head off and then it cuts the nuclear power plant in half and he climbs out of the rubble. That sounds fucking amazing. And that's what the Three Mile mm. Isle incident was. Yeah. <laughs> the government's been lying fucking to you. And then it's fucking Deadpool and his eyes go black just like Deadpool's and then he shoots Cyclops' lasers out of his eyes and I hate the world. And they oh and, and his name by the way is uh, Deadpool the Merc with a mouth yeah so let's sew his mouth shut of maybe the most charismatic actor in the entire fucking film yeah. Ryan mm. Reynolds the man who was born to play Deadpool yeah. the man Deadpool, who sorry. goes on yeah, yeah. yeah. plays him perfectly actual Deadpool yeah just just hell. also let's let's give him swords in his hands that if they oh. retracted he could not possibly bend his elbows, his elbows or his wrists. He's Baraka from fucking Mortal Kombat. It's just, yes. just the worst. She's got the... I'm, I'm, I've got, I have a, I'm aware of a, a X-Men Origins Wolverine fact. I only learned about five years ago, and I'm, I'm sorry, not sure if everyone knows about this. Maybe everyone does know by now. I don't know. Ryan Reynolds. Good good Deadpool. Mm. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. I learned this. Is that your fact? <laughs> no. Um, I learned this when Deadpool won. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. No, um, and 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 everyone said when he was Deadpool, as in when he's weighed and he's going around, and he's just you know this hench dude with swords, the spinning sword thing again, yeah. which he does in Deadpool too, and just gets covered in holes and goes, oh yeah, <laughs> yep. stupid, yep. Um, exactly, which is brilliant. Now, in that point where he's a cocky, fast-talking asshole, mm. he is basically Wade Wilson before he goes, mm. you know, experimented on things like that. I understand that. The the Weapon Eleven thing that is not Deadpool. With the you know black marks all over his body and the eyes and shit, mm. not played by Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's not played by Ryan Reynolds. It's Scott. Oh, Atkins. is that your fact? 
That's my fact. Yeah. And I didn't know if people knew that or not because I didn't realize for a very long time. I, I thought, oh, Ryan Reynolds. It's like, because he's never, I, I should point out, apparently none of that is him. It's all Scott Adkins and they've digitally put on like, you know, uh, Ryan Reynolds' head yeah. or ears, especially. But the rest is just makeup and and, it, cause, and the idea was behind it was to get the look properly of uh, martial arts being performed like that had to be Scott Adkins, for example. And you're like, oh, okay. So in fact, half of the appearances of this Deadpool character, which we've considered Ryan Reynolds, isn't Ryan fucking Reynolds. Yeah. It's just obviously like, the, you know, and for a film with such terrible CGI on those goddamn claws, it's amazing that I didn't notice that it was a superimposed <laughs> head. Maybe that's what they spent all their time on. I mean, clearly. That and, uh, well, you know, and maybe not, because by the time you see it at the end of the film, the actual fight is looking fucking stupid. It does um, It does a thing which I hate, um, <laughs> which sometimes happens in the comics as well. Um, and you see it done with a lot of, like, um, Thanos does it in the final fight in Endgame, but I can kind of forgive it a little bit more there. But basically, in the final fight with not Deadpool, Wolverine hmm. manages to block the energy blast just oh. by holding his claws together. And it's like, that's not how energy... Anything works. <laughs> no, that's not how anything works. Uh, uh, I think that's also known as a uh, I am all the Jedi moment as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is, yeah. I mean, that makes a bit more sense. But you're right, it's like, I'm going to try and block something with, you know, throngs of a fork. Yeah. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense because there are holes there, sir. I, can, I mean, yes. I'm holding them in front of my face. I can see through them. Yeah. Um, it would, it, it's remarkably stupid. It's like if someone was spraying a hose at you, like a like a fireman's hose, and you held yes. up a, like a spatula to block it. It's like, that doesn't, <laughs> that's not going to help you because it's got holes in and also the much bigger area than you are covering. Yeah. And Deadpool, Weapon 11, just shoots it at his claws. Yeah. Yeah, look Shoot up. Shoot him in the face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why are you shooting between his legs so he can specifically go hacha and just let block it perfectly? <laughs> Whereas you can shoot anywhere. These lasers are attached to your fucking eyes. <laughs> you can shoot wherever you look. You have yeah. a free range of movement. You can it, do people, whatever you like. You can never miss. With Cyclops, because it annoys me, is the idea of like, I mean, I get, it makes more sense when he's got a visor on his head, but when it's like, they come out of his eyeballs and like, does that mean when he moves his head they move, or when he moves his eyes they move? Which one is it attached to? Is it in fact the eye, the is it in fact the eyelids? In which case it's just directional from that, or is it from the pupil as it does seem to be, or the iris specifically from uh because you know as as Jack pointed out the black diamonds appear like oh <laughs> and then his irises go red and pew it's like well then no that's stupid <laughs> the, um, the 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 lack of physics behind Cyclops' eye blast has been a, a thing that has plagued my mind for many a year <laughs> and we will not be getting into that discussion That's because fair. we will be here forever. It's a portal to but the punch dimension. Thank you very much, Tim. That's oh, all you need to know. People, fucking That's all you need to know. <laughs> um, so, so yes, basically we, we again have got and this is the thing with this movie you do get embroiled and drawn down very quickly <laughs> into the, the pit. There's so many little bad bits. things. Yeah. yeah, when in truth, the maxi sort of, you know, the, the, the part of the problem, the, the, in fact, the macro vision of it all is that it's all shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like if, like, it's such a big pile of shit that you, you can't kind of take it on as a whole and you have to, like, point down at these little maggots and bits of you corn. You have to, like, compartmentalise it to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. 
I feel God. like we've made this analogy in a previous episode where we're like, it's shit. So you push your face down to try and find more, and all you get is more shit inside the <laughs> shit yeah. covered in shit. Why the fuck did we say that? That's definitely anyway, a pointed, uh, analogy. That sounds like yeah, that sounds like some incoherent nonsense I came up with. Um, if, if we just talk about the, the 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 functional nature of a film, the story is bad. It's incredibly simple mm. and yet very bad. Everything is supposed to have significance, and yet at the same time, it's all quite um, pointless. So you have an element of this guy's my brother, and I'm going to kill him, and only I get to kill him. Right, stupid, but fine. We can make that work. Next, I fell in love with a woman. Turns out she was a secret agent spy lady who was betraying Did he? me. We don't see any of that. That's true. They're just magically in love out of nowhere. <laughs> just love. And then but, she's a spy, and then she's not. Yeah. And then she is, and then she's not again. And, and then the she way, dies, yeah. and none of it matters. But the thing is, it's like it was real for me. And it's like, well, then is that not actually subterfuge at all? Is that not just a real thing? That doesn't make sense. I know, but again, again, you can make that work because there's enough World War II films to actually, where there has been like one of the main plot drives. Move that to one side. I'm a part of a team <laughs> who's been hunting me down to sort of, you know, recruit me. And then they kind of turned on me. And then I had to sort of maybe save them, kind of. Or, or kill them all. Or kill them all. Again, you can kind of make that work. You know, or, or more accurately, Here's my people who I've had a, a bit of an affinity with, but I no actual real fondness, and they're being hunted down and killed one by one to lure me out of hiding. Again, you can make that work. They're actually really simple beats. And even if you want to go the overarching thing of the, the striker stuff about the concept of a man who wants to manipulate all these multiple talented individuals to harvest their powers and focus that into a single being of, of just, you know superior creation... That's great. You can do that. No problem at all. The the elements are there. The, 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 it's just the construction. And then you get the problem of the, the production itself, which is a fucking travesty. The visual effects, which are, as Jack's pointed out, and we both pointed out, all of us have, laughable. Um, there have been so many videos detailing exactly yeah. how they are bad, where it goes wrong, what it doesn't do right, the nature of Jack's depth. Lighting, all these bits of frame rate for fuck's sake, all kinds oh, of things. The, just... frame, the frame rate on those claws, my god, shocking, shocking. And it's it's that it's fucking nonsense. helicopter. It's like when we said about um, Escape from LA. If you said the production company had never made a film with digital effects before, you go, oh, that makes sense. That's that <laughs> that does make complete sense. Then you have the direction itself, which is a bit discordant but mostly functional. Now, if you guys are okay with it, I want to just talk about Gavin Hood for a second, who is the director, because he's such a fucking bizarre choice now <laughs> absolutely in, I, in 2005 2004 i went to a screening of a movie as i am want to do and it was a south african film called sotsi and it was about um a gang leader in johannesburg and he just goes throughout his regular day and then he um accidentally sort of nicks a car with a baby in the back and he sort of has to kind of take care of this kid and he doesn't know what to do with it and it's just like a week in the life of this criminal and it's really fucking good I really mm. enjoyed it. It was a very, very, very well-made film. Gavin Hood last year, I want to say, made a film called uh, Official Secrets, I think it was called. Yeah. And it's about um, leaked information the British government and all that sort of stuff. And it, again, very well-made, very good. So he is a good filmmaker, especially with made drama. Ender's Game as well. Just taking Did you do Ender's like Game? Shit, I completely forgot Ender's Game. Directed and wrote Ender's Game. Mm. 
That's a film. That's where that's where I recognised him from. Yeah, apart and from this game is, yeah. is a tricky one. I know a lot. I know some people who really enjoy that film, but it's, it's I don't care for the book. I think the idea is fine. I think the twist is like, okay, okay, yeah, sure. I it works better before the twenty the two thousands of a honest in the in the eighteen yeah. nineties mindset. Great. Anyway, so he has a handle on these things. He has the nature of trying to be able to direct some of the core emotional character driven thing, which is interesting. And yet what we end up with is such a mess that I can't tell if it's just a case of what I can only think of recently, a sort of Gareth Edwards, Josh Trank thing, where whereby one went really, really well and worked out fine row one, one went really, really badly and didn't work out Fantastic Four, um, where you've given a low-budget independent director, rather than giving a couple of mid-tier films to work on, you gave him a huge franchise Throw $150 million at him and see what he does. Exactly. And and he goes, oh no, this didn't work because we didn't give him the support he needed or whatever it's going to be. So I don't know whether to blame him specifically. Hello, Trevorrow. Hello, (laughs) lots of other people. (laughs) Exactly. And I think this might have been one of the earlier examples of that happening. And it's unfortunate because I say Hood is a, is a good director, but if you just say, oh, X-Men Origin Wolverine, it's like, well, that must have been one of the shittiest directors there are. I'm like, well, kind of not really. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's looking at his filmography. He does a lot of like small stuff in South Africa. Does uh, Totsi, which I agree. I, I, I saw that in university um, mm. as part of this kind of world cinema thing and um, was really loved it. Really was really impressed by it. Very just like grounded, gritty Um and then he did he did rendition, which was kind of like a drama with um, uh, Reese Witherspoon, Meryl Streep, Peter Sarsgaard, um, mm. kind of a, 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 a political thriller drama, uh, all about you know the Iraq War. Yeah. And then he jumps to this, and it's hard to see like it does feel very much in that kind of Trevaro uh, Trank model of. This is someone who the studio possibly thinks that they can exercise a lot of control over. Mm. I, I would be tempted to not lay huge amounts of the problems with this at his feet in particular. It's hard to know. Yeah. Obviously, we can't, you know, you, you can read stuff about the production, but you'll never actually know. But We're not there. We don't know. Yeah. I think that. I mean, some people we definitely know they're fucking assholes yeah. or it didn't work because of them specifically, because there's such a big presence and such a huge cog in that machine that they could never be. It could never be anybody else's yeah. fault, for lack of a better word. But this is very different, and it's Fox. Fox can be very medley. And it's it's such an overstuffed film. I think this is this mm. is the kind of the core of its problems. It tries to do so much and it does all of it terribly. Um, <laughs> True. And I don't think there's any way you can take this script and make it good. <laughs> I agree. It's weird that we're talking about Gavin Hood because he wasn't even the first choice for director. And originally, mm. Zack Snyder turned down this film to go and do Watchmen because... I can't I can't imagine. I can't bring myself to even fathom this film directed by Zack Snyder. My brain cannot handle that much. <laughs> I mean, I know I brought him back for, for 300 because you had to because he made the mark. But him coming yeah. into the X-Men universe, we'd no, get Man you. of Steel. Yes, we would. And even then, you're going to get Man of Steel because of... Christopher Nolan. So I mean, he might get actually more Snyder. Yeah, we'd get, like we'd get, oh, suck, we'd get yeah, sucker yeah, yeah. punch the Wolverine movie, and I don't want that. <laughs> um, so Singer and Ratner, we already talked about. The Singer did one and two, and Ratner yes. did The Last Stand. Both pieces of shit. We know that now. Uh, they were potentially going to come back and do something else in the X Men universe, but didn't work out for some reason. Um, and 
other people were like petitioning for the job, basically, rather than the studios approaching them. People were trying to approach Fox and be like, "Hey, let me do a Wolverine movie. Let me do a Wolverine yeah, of course. movie." And of all the fucking people, because I felt like an easy one of, Yeah, we've talked about one of his films before in a previous episode. The director of Live Free or Die Hard, Mr. Len Wiseman, and I was like, the underworld mm. guy doing a Wolverine movie. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I I am I'm not okay with this, and that sounds like it would go terribly, terribly wrong. Well, we know Sil- then, Silver yeah. Fox would have been Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> I thought so. Spoiler alert: I have cast an underworld person in my in my <laughs> film. A little bit of a nod, and I thought about casting Kate Beckinsale as their counterpart, and I thought that's nice. a bit that's a bit too much of a of an in joke. I, I can I can jokingly have people cameo in my films, but I shouldn't just base my pitch on jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other person was um, a French director called Alexandre Aja, who is probably known for, like, Piranha and Horns and The Hills Have Eyes, most famously. What the fuck? (laughs) Who are these? (laughs) What would those Wolverine... Spoiler alert, I haven't picked any of these people Hmm. as my director, but good lord, I can't imagine any of these fucking people directing a Wolverine movie, and let alone these guys with that script... Because yes. it couldn't it couldn't get much worse, mm. but fucking hell, I think it I, might, it I might think, have done. Yeah, it could have. <laughs> it, I mean, Hood tried to make what I think was coming from South Africa his arguable impression of what a cool Hollywood action film mm. is, and you end up with a lot of tropes from the let's face it, the fucking eighties and nineties. You're like, oh, this looks terrible. Yeah, and then when they brought. Gavin Hood on, he said, I basically never read a comic in my life, mm. but I, th- I think I totally understand Wolverine from what I've seen in the X-Men movies, and you're like, okay, that's the thing now. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to focus on him struggling between his animalistic side and his human side. I'm like, huh? Okay, that's a, that's a pretty common theme for Wolverine. I'm like, yeah, cool. But I want to give it like a different feel, okay? And I want to make Sabretooth his brother. Like, apparently that was Gavin Hood's idea. Because it would quote build up the emotional power of the film unquote. I'm like that. That fuck. does sound like a sort of director strong arming and saying I want to have an emotional core. Yeah, a guy who doesn't understand the fucking relationship of the characters. Yeah, precisely. Like, oh, for, precisely. For God's sake. And I want Cyclops and Wolverine to be brothers. It's like, well, yeah. And then to spin what? back round and. As much as I go on about how much I hate Zack Snyder, we know this. Mm. I have lauded <laughs> and gone on about how much I hate this movie. The anti-Villeneuve. Yeah. Um, there are also three other people that I hold as kind of culprits of, of, of where we are now in terms of the movie kind of industry that we have at the moment and the TV industry. Okay. And all three of them have their hand in this film in some way. <laughs> mm. I was I, 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 I was about to bring up something. I think you might be about to touch on it. So go you yeah. go for it. So David Benioff yes. of Game of Thrones fame yeah. can fuck off. He, he is <laughs> one of the screenwriters of this film. <laughs> he is one of the screenwriters yeah. of this fucking movie. He is a big comic book fan in his defence, but he pursued, again... He was pursuing Fox to take on this project. They didn't ask him to write a script. He apparently approached them multiple times over a couple of years and was like, please let me write. Please let me write. Please let me write. Game of Thrones, for fuck's sake. I know. (laughs) 
and him almost him, Star Wars. Be- Benioff and Weiss have just fucking wangled their way into Hollywood somehow mm. by not knowing what they're doing and being able to talk a big talk. And they mm. did a fucking interview at a Comic-Con about this a couple of years ago and were like, oh yeah, we had no idea about Game of Thrones. We met with George R. R. Martin, we couldn't believe he said yes, and then HBO chucked hundreds of millions of dollars at us and we couldn't believe they said yes either. So we've just been winging it ever since. I'm like, you motherfuckers. Yeah, I mean, you to be winging motherfuckers. It, if they'd have pulled off the landing... And series seven, eight, whatever it's going to be, was was better. It would have been the best. I mean, I, um, there's an old British entertainer, just to take things back a bit here, um, called Bob Monkhouse, and he is known on TV for certain generation died in the NCAA. Where the fuck are you going with this? Bear with me. And in his biography, um, I believe he was saying how he was being drafted for like the war, basically. I think World War Two, and. His general um, way out of it, and into a job, I should say, was saying, oh, I work for the BBC. And he basically smooth-talked his way, not only out of doing what he didn't want to do, but into a job at the BBC and a fucking OBE. <laughs> um, and, like, you know, legendary status and all that sort of stuff in terms of, like, you know, British of a certain generation. And I think it's just the nature of... Some people have just genuinely the gift of the gab. that They can just bullshit their way into situations and land on the feet and go and even when it goes badly like X-Men Origins Wolverine and how Game of Thrones ended they just go eh what next can I work on ah oh, Star Wars and then I'm like nah yeah. I'm gonna work on else with Netflix it's like fucking hell yeah yeah. it's almost impressive like the person who doesn't study and turns up for just wings it in the test and kind of guesses their way to like an A and you're like you bastard so Benioff D- David number one that I am angry with oh yeah mm-hmm. David number two that I'm angry with is S. Goya. Because this motherfucker is Snyder's right-hand man. Or arguably, Snyder's puppeteer in many ways. Mm -hmm. Because Goya is responsible for so much shit over the... He was making Blade Trinity at the time. He's involved in Man of Steel, in Dawn of Justice. This motherfucker... I mean, he's done good work. Don't get me wrong. He also contributed to the Dark Knight trilogy. Let's not get That's it. what not people get... always come back with. Yeah. In the, the, yeah. And, and the, uh, the first two Blades as well, I think. Because he, he directed yep. he, the third, yeah, didn't he? he? Yes, yes, but he, he wrote the first two, yeah. He also wrote a previous sequelizers film. We yes. mentioned him. The Crow City of Angels. <laughs> yeah. Granted, the script changed over time. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. He also wrote shit like Jumper. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance and Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> I don't mind uh Jumper. I don't, I don't mind Spirit of Vengeance. Spirit of Vengeance is better than the first one, it's still shit. But this uh, so so Goya was involved because he wanted to do a Deadpool movie. And he also wanted to do it with Reynolds at the time. This is why Reynolds then is yes. this is the how Deadpool ends up in this film, which is yes. a whole other problem, as we said. The fact that Deadpool is in this movie is because of David S. Goya. And he was working on Blade Trinity and he tried to do a spin-off and be like, yeah, I'll do an X-Men spin-off. We'll do a Deadpool movie together. It fell through, but Benioff wrote it in basically as a favour to his mate, from what mm. I understand, and is like, ah, I'll be fine. I'll just chuck Deadpool in there. He doesn't matter because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing because <laughs> I'm David Benioff. <laughs> so, to complete the trilogy of Davids I don't like, <laughs> David Ayer, the oh. third David. This motherfucker shows up 
known for writing and uh, directing, in fact, Suicide Squad, sticking mm. with fucking superhero films. Fucking Bright. <laughs> Director mm. of Bright. Director of Bright. That is That should be a black mark against your name forever. Mm. If you directed Bright, you should never work in Hollywood ever. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> if you direct and write Suicide Squad, you can fuck off as well. Granted, End of Watch is good. Fury's good. Fuck him. <laughs> three three Davids and Training Day is really good as well. Yes. He also wrote The Fast and the Furious. Pfft, fine, whatever. But these three Davids seem to have like coalesced and just contributed on all the wrong ways to this movie to just make it worse and worse and worse. And there were filming problems around the the writers guild strike in America at the yeah, time because they had to try yeah. and film it before that happened mm. so they all fucking panicked. It was all madness. And they had like last minute rewrites. Classic Hollywood we talk mm. about this all the time. Mm. The rewrites were happening basically as they were filming mm. so like they would get the dailies and then we'd go oh shit we need to change this and then change it for the next day and uh, Scott Silver was brought in to rewrite things and James Vanderbilt was brought in to rewrite things as well James Vanderbilt known for like White House Down The Amazing Spider-Man duology I guess there's a duology if you want to call it that <laughs> and yeah just this amalgamation of shit they all just mushed together oh and Scott Silver is also the uh, writer of Joker <laughs> <laughs> Just to add to this weird amalgamation of oh we've all we've made all these weird sometimes good sometimes fucking horrendous superhero movies over the last fifteen years or whatever it is mm. this like they, it's like they assembled the fucking Avengers of terrible people to make a superhero <laughs> movie We're like let's chuck them all in at once and see what happens turns out you get eight different storylines thirty five different characters and a film that is one of the worst superhero movies ever made <laughs> surprise like the, uh... fucking surprise. That sounds like the episode teaser right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, you, you mentioned that they have the the Avengers of crappy screenwriting, um, but you you you've forgotten. I don't know their their Black Widow perhaps here, uh, because the other credited writer alongside David Benioff, although all the ones that you mentioned, obviously contributed to the script at different points mm. and, and brought stuff in. Uh, the other credited writer is Skip Woods who looks like Axl Rose's uh, new metal cousin mm-hmm. uh, in his Wikipedia f- photo. And uh, let's just let's just go through his uh, his filmography as a screenwriter I'm here. ready for this as well. He, yep. he is the, okay. He's the fucking Nick Fury. Maybe he's the Nick Fury. Yeah. I don't know. He, he does uh, look well, like, like, like Mickey Rourke yeah. has gone through a teleporter a bit wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Axl Rose and Mickey Rock went in the fly machine yeah. and then he came Actually, out the Actually, <laughs> that's a really good description of him, yeah. yeah. We shouldn't, like, uh, you know, judge people by their looks, but... Uh, I mean, maybe we sometimes we should. <laughs> uh, so, so here we go. Uh, Swordfish. That is a weird fucking film. Live Free or Die Hard. In there. Hitman. Fuck mm. right off. Bad film. So that's that's all pre X Men Origins Wolverine. Then he then he <laughs> then, then, then he dips Origins his oar in there. Yeah. Then he goes on to make the A Team. <sighs> a good day to die hard. Oh, <gasps> even worse. Uh, the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger film Sabotage, which is also directed by David Ayer. Yes, by the way. it is. Yes, yeah. Uh, written, co-written, and directed by Ayer. Yep. And Hitman Agent Forty Seven wanted another go <laughs> at that franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. So, fuck off, state, man. all of you! Fuck off! Yeah, you're the worst. 
all the skips and the Davids can fuck off. <laughs> Back into the Honestly. skip they crawled out of. Um, <laughs> just, just to digress for a second here about uh, just away from because the X Men is a really problematic franchise. Unlike, unlike say the DCEU, which is problematic in a different way in that it's so discordant, so all over the place, so bloated and so painful that it crushes under its own weight, but then there are pockets that salvage it. X-Men is arguably very successful, almost even when it's... Especially when it's not successful. Uh, like, it's bad, but they make tons of money. Um, sure. Or it's really good and somehow underperforms a little bit. And you're like, oh, that's weird. So they climb and, and, and vary, and the timeline is so screwed that they just give up, basically. I can't um, wait for the Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Oh, all the, all the various fucking X-Men I have, films. I have one which really upsets me, and it's not on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's something that pisses me off, and it's a separate thing. So I know this just because I remember uh, Mangold, James Mangold, the director, took on The Wolverine, which was another yes. standalone Wolverine film. Now, I am in maybe the minority here. I actually really like that film. I like that film too. Yeah. It goes the, a little The Silver Samurai the thing at the end is mad. Yeah. And d- doesn't fit tonally, but the rest no. of the film I actually quite like. It's the same way I... Oh, maybe I'm a bit, over, uh, a bit too generous here, but it's a bit like Wonder Woman for me personally, in that it's like, this is really good, I'm really enjoying this, and then at the end it's like, oh, you had to make it a silly fucking CGI It has to be a big yeah. CGI superhero fight yeah. at the end, because that's yeah. the mandate now, yeah. But the core of what Mangold was doing was really fun and really interesting. Logan being a fish out of water in Japan, I know it's a thing from the comics, it's great, it's really good. Then Logan comes out, and Logan is arguably one of the best X-Men films, full stop. Hands down. And just uh, a fantastic it's, film. It's my favourite X-Men film. I'll put it out there right now. I think I might think the exact same thing along there with Deadpool. <laughs> um, and X2. Yeah, no, Logan is the best one. But it, it, X2 is good. Deadpool's good. Logan well, is I've, fantastic. I've always maintained that you need you only need five X-Men films. Uh, X-Men 1, X-Men one, two, 2, First Class, Deadpool, Logan. That's it. Yeah. Everything yeah, else is Deadpool. I'm fine with that. Now, I'm not Always. I would argue take take Deadpool out of there as it's not sort of an X Men well, film, no, but I guess the reason is because but, it's yeah. irreverent and a change of pace in the palate cleanser. Sure, that's that's yeah. why it's in yeah. there. Um, now, as much as people enjoy Days of Future Past, I was very angry at Days of Future Past because it gave fans a lot of what they thought they wanted and brought something back and all that sort of stuff. But it was very convoluted and it did nothing for the story, uh, the 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 harmony and the flow, shall we say, of the canon. Um, well, it, re- it destroys and rewrites the canon completely. Precisely, so, and then it yeah. goes all over the fucking place with with everything else. So it's it's very very chaotic and very different, difficult to get your head around, unfortunately. Um, and because of that, it's never clear what's real and what isn't in terms of the actual storyline. So, for example, almost everybody universally and exclusively ignores X Men Origins Wolverine. Technically, a we lot of to. people, yeah, a lot of people arguably ignore. X Men: The Last Stand. Yes, that's pretty much out of canon. So it's it's very very weird. I mean, as much as we don't haven't they got there yet with the DCEU stuff, they all kind of acknowledge each other. They all. I mean, you might just sort of, one. They might fall away every now and again and not worry about it so much as they go on. Who knows? Like Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, rather than Suicide Squad. We'll see. We're still in that in that process of dealing with it. But X Men has done it so so. It just occurred to me you're talking about the sequel there. Yes. In fact, the it's called the Suicide, Suicide Squad. You motherfuckers. I know. Um, Wolverine, the Wolverine. Fuck off. Fast yes. and Furious, the Fast and the Furious. Fuck off. Yeah. Stop it... putting the. That doesn't change the title. <laughs> or removing the. Um, and yeah, and in this case, the, the. Yeah. 
it, it, it is a weird trilogy. If you try and watch X-Men Origins Wolverine, The Wolverine, Logan. Now... God, that's a weird trilogy. <laughs> and I don't mean like, yeah, without any other X-Men film in there. X-Men, X1, 2, and 3, you can kind of watch back to back. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's a narrative cohesion, arguably. Origins, Wolverine, and Logan are so interwoven to other events that it, and, and you know characters just fall in and fall out that, that aren't shown afterwards it's really difficult to process the most interesting is logan full stop it's fucking amazing i think the wolverine is incredibly serviceable and then you got origins and the reason i wanted to bring this up was because the, one of the little facts that annoys me is the public and not this isn't about like rotten tomatoes i don't know the scores and things we'll get to that later but this is about the fact that with four hundred thousand user votes on imdb X-Men Origins Wolverine and The Wolverine have the exact same score of like 6.6, 6.7, whatever it is. And that's true of when the films were released and now. And that upsets me so much because that means two things. One, people didn't understand or appreciate The Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, that- there are a lot of people who really like X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> and I can't, I can't understand that. The the only people I know who like it, or who I know of who like it, like it for the same reasons I do, which is it's so stupid. Um, I don't, I can't think of anyone I know who is like, yeah, that's a good film because because you're not friends with David Benioff, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> no one is because he ruined Game of Thrones. I wonder if he and uh, and uh, D B Weiss still, uh, you know, are still are still chummy chums. Oh, they- most deaf. They're, they're linked forever. Yeah. They made millions and millions of dollars together. Yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. they'll be friends for they'll, life. They'll, they'll probably just keep working on things until 2080 when they die. <laughs> uh, hey, do you remember how we fucked up one of the most beloved fantasy <laughs> book series and since fantasy was invented? Eh. We made they'll, loads of money. Fuck yeah. it. They'll, they'll, do a, they'll do a Simon Kinberg after fucking... Um, oh, oh Kin- everyone hated Last Stand. Let's give, him the, let's give him the fucking Dark Phoenix story. And like, guys, we appreciate that 30 years ago when Game of Thrones ended, it wasn't well received. Don't worry, we're redoing it on HBO Future. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, great. Who are you getting involved? Now hear me out. <laughs> it's like, you buy those fucking magic beans again, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find out that the uh, the Amazon Lord of the Rings series has been passed on to them. Uh, I think they're doing some big fantasy thing on Netflix. I, I know it's not that uh, specific, but Christ. They were supposed to be doing a Star Wars. Oh, yeah. God. Remember that, guys? Bullet dodge there. No. They got binned off because they fucked Game of Thrones <laughs> and then explained how they don't know how to write movies and TV shows. <laughs> yeah, it's like you don't want to do in an interview and it's like just say, hey, turns out I didn't know what I was doing the whole time I was just winging it and it kind of didn't work out. Yeah. So, well, we don't want to take that risk, thank you. I've had enough of that recently. So yeah, I mean, one thing I will say is that Liv Schreiber and Hugh Jackman are trying <laughs> and I appreciate that. And to be fair, for, for the bits that actually are Ryan Reynolds, he too is trying. Yeah, he knows mm. exactly the kind of character that he should be playing. Precisely. And I like uh, Danny Houston. I think he's all right. He's I thought he was a surprisingly Brian... good yeah. striker. Yeah, He's not yeah. a good bri- young Brian Cox, because no. Brian Cox is fucking brilliant, but he's he's, he's fine. Um, and, he's and he's a role, functional he's William striker, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to um, talk about characters who like mutate their look across the timelines, you've got... Uh, I can't remember the name of the actor who plays him in like Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, but but Baby Striker, who then turns into Danny oh, Houston, who yes. then turns into Brian Cox. Of course, 
It's the, oh, I, I don't age for 20 years and then suddenly I'm 70 <laughs> moment of, oh, I don't know, every fucking X-Man at this point. I've been banging on to these guys about a TV series, a German series on Netflix called Dark, and a lot of it has a lot of characters at different ages. And I said, while Hollywood is obsessed with, and rightly so, because it's quite interesting technology, de-aging tech, they have cast these actors so perfectly. And like at the different ages that, you know, um, say like, you know, a teenager and then in your 40s and then in your 60s, whatever it's like, they look fucking great. I mean, like, really impressive how they found these people with just like you could believe that they just cast like you know, father son situation, but not these fuckers. These fuckers, you know, are, it does not work at all. And I feel like we talked about this before. We talked about it in uh, with my solo pitch. Like, you either have to find somebody who captures yes, the essence and the yes. spirit of that character, or fucking get someone who looks like Brian Cox and do an impression of Brian Cox, or yeah. even as you said de-age them or do a fucking Moff Tarkin where they digitally rebuild you. I don't know. They de-aged fucking uh, Patrick Stewart in this movie. They they certainly did. And he looks like he's built out of clay. And he also walks across a CGI floor of nightmares. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's like I'm exaggerating, but if you look, he's not in the forest, he's in a green screen and it's like his feet don't actually seem to touch the ground or have any shadows. He just hovers over the grass, doesn't he? It's so stupid. It's like PlayStation 1 graphics all over again, as we were saying. There's literally a line in the first X-Men film where they're looking at an X-ray of Wolverine's skeleton and Charles Xavier goes, I've never seen anything like this before. And it's like, you would have thought that he'd bring it up if like 20, 30 years ago he'd seen that dude run out of Three Mile Island Power Station and be like, hi, here's Cyclops, he's going to be your new team leader. (laughs) Now I'm off to get shot in the head. (laughs) And again... Days of Future Past and other things as well are always back to, well, hang on, to make this work, we have to have Wolverine lose his memories. And it's like, well, hang hang the fuck on. If you're going to disregard so much, why do we care about that? Why? Why? But then there's this illusion, like, we need to know Wolverine's story. And that, that, this, is the, this is the driving force here. This is the central thing. It's why Marvel wrote a comic when they did, because they wanted to get out before before Fox came up with one mm. before them, basically. And what, um, from what I understand, what Marvel came up with was pretty damn good. Now... Oh, maybe. I'm... Okay, fair enough. Again, I haven't read it. I can't comment. That's a, that's a Tim um, voice. We'll be talking about that later on. Ooh, 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 oh my. So, um, just gonna read a weird little thing here about um, Hugh Jackman and Gavin Hood, because also Hugh Jackman had some input on this film more so than the previous ones. Sure. About consider a producer he had more influence on where Wolverine's arc goes and all this kind of stuff and he talked about specifically about the relationship between Victor his brother and Logan Wolverine and how they compared it to Bjorn Borg and John McEnroe's tennis rivalry oh god <laughs> because one of them is like super calm and cool and collected and the other one's very hot headed and crazy and swears a lot and stuff I'm like but Wolverine is cool and calm until he goes berserk. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole point of that character is him trying to contain that. I would say, like, that's a good model for Cyclops and Wolverine. That is not a good Correct. model. Correct. That's entirely that's a yeah. much one better that goes analogy. crazy and swears at shit. <laughs> Before we move on to um, Rotten Tomatoes and then fixing, I will, I will give this film one thing. There is a brief a moment slap. where I like what they do with Gambit's powers. Oh, okay. I like it when he's okay. very the the first bit where he's introduced, and uh, we get them at the card table, and then he, because for for people who are not fam- especially familiar, and as, and especially as he's a character that's not only quasi been in the films, um, yeah, he's 
Gambit can essentially, he can charge objects up with kinetic energy. So when he throws them, he throws them very fast and they explode. And they glow purple usually. They usually glow purple. For some reason, because X-Men. Because you want to have something visual going on. Exactly. Um, It looks like something, yeah. And I quite like what they do. When he fans the cards out and they kind of all float up in the circle and then he like throws them rapid fire, that to me is, it's an interesting visual interpretation of what Gambit's powers are meant to do because it's playing around with the idea of like movement and 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 bestowing energy into these things so that they're they're carrying more of a charge. Sure. The shit with the fucking helicopter bow staff and the uh and the climbing up the wall and Oof. that's nonsense. Um and and you know Gambit should not be in this movie like full stop. Ninety yeah. percent of these characters shouldn't be in this fucking yeah. movie. But that brief, mo- which is that brief spoilers, moment. something I address in my yeah. pitch. <laughs> uh, that brief moment, I can remember seeing it in the cinema and being like, "Oh, that's interesting." And then, very, oh, they've got Gambit right. And then very, Fuck. and then very quickly go, <laughs> "Oh no, oh no!" <laughs> it's everybody's favourite leading man, Taylor Kitsch. <laughs> oh wait, oh, you talk about John, Taylor Ca- John Carter and Mars. John Carter and Mars. I, no, just just John, like Carter. John Carter and Mars. I like John Carter. It's not called that. It is the end. No. And I got to the end of the film, therefore John no. Carter Mars. <laughs> before we get to Rotten Tomato scores, and before we get to fixing X-Men Origins Wolverine, that piece of shit, <laughs> let me tell you about the wonderful sponsors of Stitcher Premium. Stitcher is a fantastic app that is a dedicated podcast app, and with Stitcher Premium, your user experience just gets even better. You get exclusive access to some comedy albums, some audiobooks, certain episodes of podcasts and bonus content from podcasts, and it's all ad-free, so you don't hear people like me talking like this about ads in the <laughs> podcasts you listen to. It's win-win. You can subscribe to Stitcher Premium for $4.99 per month. Pretty decent price, right? But mm. you can also subscribe annually for $34.00. And 99 cents per year, which is even cheaper. And you can get a free month if you use the promo code Sequelizers at checkout. So you get 13 months of content of original podcasts exclusively on Stitcher, bonus episodes, comedy albums, audiobooks for $34.99. You lucky, lucky people. All you need to do is go to stitcher.com slash premium. And as I said, use the promo code Sequelizers at checkout. And you'll get one month for free on us. You lucky, lucky people. That's and cheaper than buying a 12-month run of uh, X-Men comics, I think. That's that's significantly cheaper, given how much comics cost nowadays. I was going to say, yeah. They're, they're now matched up. So British comics are now matched up with American prices. So $3.99 is £3.99. So. Okay. Then yeah. yes, um, infinitely better. And a particularly relevant one, which I actually recommended, I believe, on our very first Stitcher Premium recommendation... Oh yeah, yeah, is the Wolverine podcast? Yes, because <laughs> it's all about telling awesome stories from the perspective of Wolverine, and it's really cool, really well produced. We've got fantastic sound effects and fantastic mm. voice acting. It's a full cast, so it's like it's basically like an audio book or a radio play, almost like a radio drama, featuring Wolverine, and it's got a murder mystery. It's got some really fantastic performances. It's one of the best produced things. I know Marvel are starting to do this more and more now. They've started doing uh, some other ones for some other characters. They followed it up with Marvels, as you may know from the comics as well. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic stuff. And I highly recommend you checking it out if you want some more Wolverine content. 
on your podcast feed. The uh, the guy who wrote those, um, uh, Benjamin Percy, uh, is now uh, writing for Marvel, like writing the proper Wolverine series. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't surprise me. Leap uh, on that shit, yeah. And he also has one of the most amazingly deep voices uh, that you can ever like. Just go on YouTube and stick in like Benjamin Percy comics and just uh, just just be. Barry whited off to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a bit of the dream, though, isn't it? It's the idea like you do something as a bit of a, a an independent tribute, and then the people who make said thing say, "You're good at this. Mm. Come come do this professionally with us." It's like, oh, I don't know. If uh, <laughs> certain people listen to prequelizers or sequelizers and thought these guys know what they're doing, we should give them money to write a film. Just but saying. we'd never sell out like that. Yes, we absolutely will. I, we'll sell yeah, out we would, we as soon as possible. Yeah, is the place to send any uh, corporate yeah. requests to. Yeah. <laughs> so, gentlemen, it's Rotten Tomatoes time. Yes, it oh, is. Oh, bring me some a tomato salad. I've been doing lots of reading up about this film, but I have purposely avoided this. I am ready. We had a bit of discussion before we started about like which, which film is this technically a prequel to? Because obviously, our our uh, our raison d'être here is fixing the bad sequels or prequels in this case to good movies mm. but technically this is a bad prequel to a bad movie because the next <laughs> film that comes directly before it is x-men the last stand but obviously but this then leads into x-men one which is a good film yes but it's also a sequel to the last stand because you have logan dreaming about gene <laughs> fucking dear. yeah sorry so Tim. sorry the, t- yes. the timeline is so complicated so basically i've got the three Wolverine films and Last Stand. We're gonna we're gonna go. Yeah, through. okay. I'm ready. We obviously have done. We yeah. did all three of the original X Men ones back in the day. Yes. When so you've we, got to already your memory. When you fixed the Last Stand, Tim, but I don't fucking remember that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good thirty episodes ago. <laughs> and 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 I will tell you, traveling across those uh, those four films, we get we get a nice range of scores. Oh, okay. Surprise, surprise. So let's start. X-Men The Last Stand. I remember it being pretty bad, but not as bad as it should have been. Yeah. I think it's 50... I like five. It's 55. Let's go 55. Okay. Oh, I think it's much I think it's much higher than that. We were outraged. Uh, I remember being outraged at something like that. So. Yeah, 64 or something. Okay. Now, the, the, the monster in question. X-Men Origins Wolverine. See, I'm worried because you said, Matt, earlier, there are people that actually quite like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> There can't be, but there are, but there can't be, but there are. <laughs> I will go. I'll stick with a with a with a theme here. From fifty five, I'll go to thirty three. Okay. It should be about twelve. What did what what did I say in the last one? Sixty four. Sixty four. Yeah. Let's go forty four. Okay. <laughs> oh. Uh The Wolverine. We've we've all kind of said we pretty much like it. Yeah. Where do you think the critics landed got... on this one? Oh shit. Again, I think fatigue of the X Men that were done. I'm gonna keep my keep my pattern here. I'm gonna go sixty six. <laughs> I'm gonna go fifty four. Uh huh. Okay. And Logan. A hundred. Amazing. Um, I, I think, think it's yeah, gonna be. It is, re- I think but... it's gonna be really high. I think it's gonna be. I, to me, the question is: Is it late eighties or early nineties? Is my is my I question? I think the same question. It's made in about twenty thirteen, isn't it? <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Um, I'm gonna go. <laughs> Sorry. Four. 88% for Logan, please. I hope it's higher. I, I think that film is incredible, like I said. but Well, 
stick them on fours. I've got 84 or 94. Let's say 94. Let's be optimistic. Okay. I hope I hope it's closer to that one. I don't know. That, I don't would, think be, that would be nice. So, X-Men The Last Stand. Jack, you said 55. Matt, you said 64. It is between Correct. those two numbers. Oh. But Jack gets closer. It's 57%. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my okay. God. Well, it's like 30 points too high. Bill's too high. X-Men... Origins, Wolverine Origins, Logan Wolverine Origins, X Men. <laughs> Jack, you said thirty three. Matt, you said forty four. Again, yeah. between those two goalposts. Fucking hell. And again, Jack is closer. Thirty seven percent. That's too, too high. high. Yeah, too high. Arguably too high. Uh, uh, Shit. Uh, no, I'm not arguably too high. They're definitely <laughs> too high. Definitely yes, too yeah, high. it's bad. Badly made. It's twenties at best. Again, twenty twenty points too high yeah. in my opinion. Mm. I think we're, the we're in the right ballpark of what the... We, we're, yeah, we're at the stage yeah, now where we don't <laughs> necessarily agree the with these opinions. The opinion isn't necessarily to rate the film, it's to guess how people rated it yep. accordingly. How yep. critics so, yep. specifically yep. as well. Yeah. Yes, precisely. Sorry. The Wolverine. Mm. James Mangold's first run at it. Jack, you said 66. Matt, you said 54. You were both on yep. a, little, a little bit of the, on the cynical side because the actual oh. score is 71. Oh, good. That is good. I agree good. with that. I'd say a little That's higher, and that'd be where I think of it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. And mm, then finally, good. Logan. Jackie went 88. Matt, you went 94. Mm. Definitely the best of them. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hey! Excellent. Good. Very I don't mind good. losing that one. I'm just happy <laughs> it's That's in the fair. 90s. Um, I, I won't go into the full audience score, but um, Matt, you were. it, it mirrors IMDb. In that mm. uh, <laughs> X Men Origins Wolverine has an audience score of fifty eight percent. Nope, too high. And the Wolverine oh, is sixty nine. So there's barely ten mm. percent between them, according to the general Fuck. public. They're, Fuck they're right leagues off. apart. It's so they are. obvious. They are. There is there is not a moment in the Wolverine where I go. Oh my god, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> Even the ending with the Silver Samurai bit is like. That's a, that's a bit weird. It's I mean, a that's path, typical but it's superhero not, yeah. TJ bullshit. But there's no dumb guy like, "Hey, Bob, did you call me Bob?" No, Bob. Uh, no I literally didn't. I'm gonna find you now. I'm so fast. That's Kevin Durand underneath oh, that so fucking painful. makeup and bullshit. Kevin bloody Durand. <laughs> didn't the blob get eaten Why? by the Hulk at one point? Uh, oh, I think God. in the Ultimate Universe, he may have done. So it's that time to fix one of the most requested prequels. One of the worst superhero films, in my opinion. Mm. And the task falls to me. I've made some interesting choices. I've got some bold choices. Some of them I stand behind. Some of them I was fucking winking at. <laughs> we, we will you discuss Benioff this. You Benioff motherfucker. <laughs> I, you, I was you Benioff and Weissing this bullshit. For Tim and I to do a, b- a bit of a Jack Chambers, if you will, oh. and give you a fuck off. <laughs> you, you might do, yes. But we'll see. We, we'll see what you do. We'll we, see what will, you do. we will get to that. So, I'm bringing it one year earlier. Fuck off! <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> There's a specific reason for this, which I'll get to in a moment. Okay, okay. I know that doesn't avoid the whole last stand bollocks. But we fixed the last stand. Just, we, yeah. We've already fixed the last stand. So th- there's, this is canon with Tim's version of last stand. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's 2008 instead of 2009. And I'm calling it Logan colon origin. I'm fine with that. I'm, I, so, I'm fine with that. I think, yeah. again, a bit like your um, your solo story. I think that 
marketers and executives would probably insist on Wolverine being in the title somewhere. Yep. But I, I yep yep. But I originally called it Wolverine Origin, mm-hmm. and then thinking about my pitch, I was like, no, it needs to be called Logan Origin. Not because I'm like mm. a, a Logan fanboy, even though I am. Mm. As you will see, that is the, the name Logan is far more synonymous and important mm-hmm. to. It's intrinsic to what you're doing, basically. The character yeah. Yeah. that is in this film, mm-hmm. rather than the name Wolverine. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, the director, and this is the one. This is the final decision I made because I had struggled and I'd gone back and forth. You've got to tell some of your backups here, because I'm curious. <laughs> well, I had some that were just. I had one in particular that turns out made no sense and was impossible basically it okay. was before they became a director so i was like <laughs> oh, okay okay uh, <laughs> i was like mm, yeah um i've gone for everybody's favorite paul anderson no not <laughs> ws i'm not that mad i'm not matt stogden i mean i've I gone for paul thomas anderson bringing in the parent te- teacher association <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Bringing in the PTA, um, summoning the power of the PTA. And it was a decision, like I said, I, I made not lightly, if that makes sense. Um, the other person who I had in mind straight away, inspired by Tim and uh, his his mention of trilogies that we talked about previously, is Taylor Sheridan. And I thought about bringing him in. Ooh, I thought he would be a fantastic idea of doing this. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Again, hinting towards the themes of my thing, like a neo frontier kind of, or actual actual frontier, mm. considering when it's set, like a American frontier, Canadian frontier kind sure. of neo modern western kind of thing vibe. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it in two thousand eight. Taylor Sheridan's still on Sons of Anarchy and is an actor <laughs> and doesn't direct anything for the next five years. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, that would have been perfect. But if I it's, move it, this, hard to it, shoe it, on that. It, it yeah. shifts yeah. the whole timeline and stops Mangold making the Wolverine, which stops Logan happening, and I can't let Logan not happen. So yeah, yeah, yeah I had to bring this forward to get an actor who I'll mention in a moment. So I was kind of stuck. Ideally, I, if I was able to pluck people out of timelines and do whatever I want, I would like to have had Taylor Sheridan. Sure, because sure, that makes sense. I, I can, I can understand. I get that. And to be fair, I can't, I can't really begrudge Paul Thomas Anderson. First of all, he's a fantastic director, genuinely. If you don't know Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson, he's out such, of the gate. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah such a hard-hitting, interesting director. Uh, the Master, There Will Be Blood, Punch Drunk Love, just, just so many fucking interesting and awesome films. Yeah. And at one point, Darren Aronofsky was going to be directing Wolverine Two. I want to say the Wolverine before it was mm. Mangold. Aronofsky was one of the other people yeah. that yeah. came to my he's, mind. He's as well. came yeah. to mind for me to yeah. Yeah, it's it's. An, I it's, think he's the obvious choice. Oh, I have one later. I'll tell you. Oh, okay. Actually, you know, is now an appropriate let, time. Let's, let's talk about it now. Let's let's break right, the fucking right. system. Let's do it. I have an opinion. Give it to Mangold just now. Yeah, Mangold's not <sighs> doing anything. He's just finished doing three uh, three tenty humor. It, it prevents him from doing that terrible night and day film with uh, fucking Tom night Cruise and day, yeah, exactly. Cameron Diaz. And Cameron Diaz, yeah. yeah. And then he gets to do an actual controlled Logan trilogy. I think that's what I would personally do. Now, obviously, what you do guys do, Sam? I yeah, I agree. I think that makes sense because, like you said, the year before this in 2007 is 310 to Yuma, mm-hmm. which again, I've nicked a couple of people from that as well. So it's a great film. <laughs> It's it's fantastic, yeah. One again, of my favourite. If he's allowed to westerns. do his own thing from the start, and bring then literally like your story, which we'll get to in a second, a Logan story 
origin style, then Logan the man in Japan, and then Logan's death, basically. That yeah. trilogy right there under one directorial helm, I think that might indeed strengthen the Wolverine because it's more of a... Again, as as a, as my I, two cents. I, in, in fact, I probably agree with you. I think you know, sequelizes kind of world in the new format. I I agree with you. Mm. We'll we'll go with James Mangold to briefly talk about why I chose. Please, I'm Samson. very I'm 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 very interested by this. Yes. So the main influence there is there will be blood. Having that kind of frontier, oh, of course, the, the super pacing. bleak, yes, the kind yes. of pacing that I'm going for, the very kind of. I'm assuming this film would be R-rated to put it into perspective. Like mm. there is a lot of there is a lot of Fox would fight you on that, but I get it. Yeah, they would. Um, I'm coming Fuck in em. before Deadpool and making it. All, yeah, matter. You, it cool you set the precedent. If it works, it works. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of kind of not not graphic violence, but like necessary violence that has has to happen for the character's experiences mm. and his growth and things like that. Um. And particularly talking about, I was, I was kind of reading about his the themes that he likes to explore in his films, and they very much tie into to kind of steal an idea from mm. Alec and Stewart from back in the day when they'd have the themes kind of yes. laid out for yes. their films. He talks about sort of family and surrogate families, dysfunctional families, all that kind of stuff, which is very key for my pitch in a lot of mm. ways that's, about that's loneliness. A very theme <laughs> very very excellent yes precisely. concepts of loneliness and ghosts of your past and forgiveness or lack thereof this is all kind of the themes of my film so i thought it was kind of appropriate to to tie everything in that way and kind of yeah i think he'd bring a gravitas and a maturity certain as well a maturity yeah to, mm. the, to the character and, and give the so it's not looking like a fucking cartoon full of characters that don't need to be in it you actually get it's a smaller cast. It's a much smaller film that compared to the actual one. You, you're basically describing Logan at the end of the day. Kind of, yeah, 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 you're, yeah. And, and hence why it's called Logan Origin. So, yeah, yeah, just the, the running theme throughout of of as you say maturity and stuff. I think that that makes complete sense with Paul Thomas Anderson specifically as well. If you're going for like more accurately the R rating, or at least getting say a bit more like what we consider 15 over here in England, mature, yes. a mature film. I think you could also wing Fox with that by saying, look. You've got an Iron Man film that Marvel have punched out that is about the fucking Middle East, basically, and, and, and uh, you know, war crimes and stuff. And you've got The Dark Knight. We need to go darker and more mature with this. We need to meet that. And I don't think it's always the right thing to do, but I think it's what everyone was doing anyway. Sure. Um, and let's face it, X-Men was never fucking bright and colourful until arguably Last Stand. Because X-Men 1 and 2 were that late 90s, early 2000s, sort of like black leather, dour, mm. cold, you know... Um, it's it's so strange that Singer created this very cold uh, color palette for this film for for the original X Men movies and the very very mm. uh, all black leather yeah. well, they, all they wanted, the time. They wanted to a a steer away from uh, the comic book stuff because the yeah, last yellow. real big yeah. comic book film was Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin, um, exactly yes. He, but then he went back and made Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, which. Too colourful, too bright. Yeah, but, <laughs> but the other thing is, a, it was just after the Matrix had come out, that's true. and b, he, that's true. he was approaching them at the time as science fiction films rather than as superhero than films in, the, in yeah. their own right, because that wasn't I, really a thing. Yeah, and I also think that was the right thing to do, if I'm honest. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't be the success it was. Yeah. Anyway, back to Jack. Who are we who are we having in this film? Hugh Jackman. Oh, before yes. we, before we move <laughs> on to casting. Oh, sorry. I have a I have a director I want to throw out there. Oh, oh, please. Uh, yeah. 
And I, but I, I think I think I I I am fascinated by the idea of a PTA like Wolverine film. I th- Me too. I think Mangold would probably be the right choice. But a name thinking about modern westerns, which I do think like really applies. That's oh, yeah. pretty much yeah. what yeah. I was thinking. That was kind of story. racking my brain for yeah, yeah. A director who has only made three films. One of them's not good, but two of them okay. are. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Kevin Costner. <sighs> Jonathan Kent, Kent himself. <laughs> interesting. I do find that interesting. <sighs> I can't tell if that's brilliant or nonsense. <laughs> that's my brand. Because uh, why? So one of the, so one of them, as we'll find, as we'll find out, is incredibly appropriate. Yeah. Mm. Um, one of his his directorial debuts yes. and Academy Award winning directorial debut yeah. is mm. very appropriate for this film. Mm. But mm, mm. yeah, I think that's interesting. And it's not that um, long after he's done Open Open Range. Open Range is actually I like that film. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that great. It was just it was a thought that struck me, and I was like. That could that could actually work. I'd be interested to see what happened there. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Curiosity, Costner, or PTA. Realistically, that's <laughs> 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 no, fair. It's, it's good to have a spectrum in this one. That's that's, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Or we let all three of them direct it at the same time, just like the real movie where do you mean fifteen like people wrote the fucking thing? <laughs> yes, a cloud atlas. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You could you could hand a, a script to those three, and you would get three completely different films. Bloody hell, that's mm. true. That's true. Yeah. And not to spoil my pitch again, I'm teasing at it, but it is very much a, a film of two different sides, two different halves. Sure. You could be bold and get one to do one and one to do another. And like you said, Matt, do a Cloud Atlas or like your be... fucking poltergeist pitch <laughs> and just go, here's bold. a bunch of directors. Here's, here's two directors at once, motherfuckers. You you can have directors working together. I mean, again, Sin City had three directors and it worked out very well. The yeah. first one I know. Not so much the second one. We'll come back to that one later. We certainly, certainly will. So, with directors discussed, but not necessarily picked, (laughs) we'll stick stick with Mangold for a second. It's fine. Um, Surprise, surprise, as Wolverine, although Thomas Hardy, (laughs) never actually called Wolverine in this film. There's a little tease for you. Mr. Huge Ackman. <laughs> that huge jacked the, man. That that, yeah, that yeah. the the housewife's favourite sing and dancing super jacked Wolverine himself, Huge Ackman. The other person I'm bringing back from X Men Origins Wolverine is arguably the character he should have played all along and where they went wrong with this whole thing and turning Sabretooth into the brother and all this stuff. Mm. I'm bringing back Leif Schreiber. He's a good actor. He is good. And like I said, I think he does a decent performance in the actual film. So mm. I think his chemistry works with Jackman and that will tie in later on in my film as well. However, and this is where we get into comic territory here and we're going to get discussions going on. He's playing a character known as Dog Logan. And we will we will get to that later on. Playing a young Wolverine, also known as James Howlett, is Cody Smith-McPhee. Mm. Who you may know from playing Nightcrawler <laughs> in Days of Future Past. Yeah. However, he was originally cast in the you know that bit where there is the young Wolverine and the whole mm. family and the ah! brother and the fucking ah! so much screaming in this film. Yeah, my my film has considerably less screaming. Oh, good. Where where they just look at the sky and go meh. 
there's more screaming of like people actually shouting at each other and stuff. There's some, sure, there's some sure. intense scenes coming up, so be warned. The Cody Smith McPhee was originally cast as young James in X Men Origins Wolverine in that scene where he yeah. does his claws, <laughs> attacks his dad, and all that bullshit. Um, however, he w- went off to do the road because he's the boy in the road, which is amazing. One of my favourite books and a fantastic film. Um, Talk about dark fucking subjects, Mm, Jesus mm. Christ. And they eventually went with um, Troy Savant, who plays young Wolverine, young James in X-Men Origins Wolverine. He's fine. I think he's fine. But as we'll find out, young James, James Howlett, has a much bigger role in my film than he did in that. So I wanted to bring somebody in who could really bring something to that role. I don't know enough about Troy... Savan, apart from what I saw of him on YouTube and him hanging out with like Tyler Oakley <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, uh, and going off and doing music and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to bring somebody in. He was originally cast. I really like him. I think he's done fantastic work in the road and since. So yeah, mm-hmm. Cody Smith McPhee for a young James Howlett. Mm-hmm. For a young dog, that sounds a weird sentence. But <laughs> That's called a puppy, young, young, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yes. For, for puppy, um, a young uh, dog Logan, I am having Freddie Highmore. Who is mm. this? Is around the Spiderwick Chronicles era, mm-hmm. you know, mm. where they were doing all the like young adult fantasy films, yeah. or the, all the trying to find new Harry Narnia bollocks, and yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. churn anything out and try and get a new Harry Potter bullshit. The thing I'm kind of what kind of inspired me is, and you'll see how this ties into the character. He goes on to play Norman Bates in Bates Motel, which is an interesting performance there and ties in reasonably well with Dog Logan and how I want him portrayed as a young sort of teenager-ish kind of character. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, the other young person to, to complete the trio of the three sort of young characters is uh, a girl called Rose O'Hara and she is going to be played by Dakota Fanning, who okay. has been in Man on Fire and War of the Worlds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she'd be really good to play this kind of role. She is, as we'll get into... Uh, a character that is kind of thrown into this world that she's not expecting and is able to adapt and kind of has to have chemistry with both Dog and James and kind of bounce off of that and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I like to go to Fanning. She's about the right age, similar sort of age to Smith McPhee and Highmore as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. On to the adults. Back back to the adults, I suppose. Hmm. Um, speaking of 310 to humor, Thomas Logan, Dog's father, was played by Russell Crowe. Mm, like, I like, like a bit Russell of Russell Crowe mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's, he's rough and gritty he's good at shouting and stuff and hopefully this stops the Robin Hood film from being made because <laughs> that thing is a piece of shit as John Howlett James Howlett's father uh, the man of the house Michael Sheen that is my Underworld reference there, <laughs> and that's the okay okay uh, he's done Underworld he's done he's been Tony Blair in The Queen and he's just done Frost Nixon as well mm. which is one of his big roles yeah um I, I like I a bit. Of Mike, I like a bit of Michael Sheen. Sheen's yeah. always fantastic, and he's also such a very chameleon in like individual mm. who just disappear into a role. And you think, holy crap, this guy's. Every- yeah. He's played so many um, individuals of note, shall we say, mm. quite well, but mostly from a, like a British point of view. Like, oh, he's Lucian in the uh, Underworld films. Yes. He also, weirdly enough, is the the voice of the uh, War of the Worlds audiobook that I listened to fairly recently. <laughs> I've seen that advert so many yeah, times on my have, fucking yeah. phone during lockdown. Me too. I ended up buying the thing and they still fucking advertised it to me. <laughs> um, as John's wife, Elizabeth, I'm casting Juliet Lewis. And this is the role I nearly gave to Kate Beckinsale <laughs> as, a bit of an, as a bit of an underworld joke. Juliet thought, Lewis. Interesting. Yeah, she's about the right age. And oh, mm. as, as is 
kind of hinted in my script, but we'll we'll, we'll get to obviously. Um, Elizabeth has quite a kind of like unhinged and quite reactive and angry side to her, and I think Lewis can bring some emotional intensity to that role as well. It's much smaller parts now. That's kind of that's kind of the, the central cast of the the main part of the film. Um, the, the gambits, if you will, <laughs> the, the gambits and the will I ams and the whatnots, the the your bolts and your wraiths. Mm-hmm. Um, a character called Cookie Malone bringing in one of my favourite character actors because I love doing that kind of stuff. I brought in Clancy Brown before. (laughs) Great SoundCloud (laughs) rapper. I'm bringing in Vincent D'Onofrio because I love me some Vinny D. Um, Just just because, again, my own ignorance, is is Cookie Malone some sort of comic thingy I should know? He is is in the comics, yes. Okay. Uh, He's not a thing you should know. He's from... You'll get this. He's from he's from Origin, the, the comic that's Origin. That's fine, that's fine. It was more really, have you come up with a character called Cookie Malone? I'm like, Jack, that sounds like a really weird name. Why would you do that? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, you have to because it's from the comic. I understand. Yeah, I don't have to, but I thought it's a funny name. It's no, fine. that's fine. Do, and do, man. You, you see him in uh, in the comics and you're like, oh, that's basically like Vincent D'Onofrio in uh, Daredevil. He's this uh... massive, like physically imposing bald guy, basically. Sure. Um, which I think D'Onofrio will do a fantastic job of. Oh, because yeah, yeah. He did. Kingpin, you know, <laughs> he's he's a far far less complex and less important character than Kingpin, which I think is a fucking mm. amazing performance. But I want to bring somebody in who can at least bring some gravitas to that role as well. Yeah. And finally, again, another little bit of an in joke. Um, the man who nearly played Wolverine and some argue should have played Wolverine. <laughs> no, it's not Tom Martin. <laughs> it's 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 Bob Bloody Oskins, um, and he's playing the carriage driver, also known as Mister Kenneth. And uh, he's a very small, that cameo role, very close to the beginning of the film. But in the comic, he kind of has a phonetic Cockney accent. And I thought, who's a Cockney bloke that's kind of round about this sort of... (gasps) I get to put Bob Hoskins in a Wolverine movie. Yes! Finally! (laughs) And then we don't have to have him play Wolverine, but everybody can be satiated. He's in a Wolverine movie. He's just not Wolverine, so it's fine. Sing us a song, Mr. Hoskins! (laughs) (laughs) Apples and pears, have you? I don't know where the fuck it is. So, I've hinted at it. This Mm. is... As much as my solo seems to be a theme for me, as my my pictures are inspired by comics, apparently, I've adapted two particular comics, um, and I, I have very much adapted them. I've kind of spun around and connected more dots than there are, and things like that. I mentioned Origin by Paul Jenkins and Andy Kubert, and then Origin Two by Kieran Gillen and Adam Kubert. I have got them the right way around. And there are elements of both and they kind of tie in, but I've kind of shifted things around a bit because I think, as as Tim mentioned, the first Origin comic is like, eh, has quite a few problems and it's a bit overwritten at times and there's some problems there. But if you know the story of the comics, you might be able to follow along better with this. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. And Tim, you've read Origin. Matt, you haven't. So this I have should not. Be a, it I haven't should read be a lot of X-Men. Kind of, so, yeah, um, I, I haven't read uh, Origin 2, I must admit. So briefly to go into Origin 2, I borrowed basically the opening issue of Origin. Mm-hmm. Origin 2, number one, mm-hmm. which is, in my opinion, the best bit of that. And the other four or five issues, it, you have like uh, Mr. Sinister show up and it's a whole thing. Yeah. And an actual Sabretooth, not Dog Logan Sabretooth mm-hmm. shows up and it's mm-hmm. a whole other thing. So I'm not getting into that. As we'll get into the opening scene here is basically taken directly from, and the interesting one of the parallel storylines is from issue one of Origin Two. Mm-hmm. So, a naked Hugh Jackman stalks through the snowy Canadian wilderness. You're welcome, R-rated. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> R-rated Australian penis 
opening shot. <laughs> Kangaroo <laughs> tail. That's all you fucking need. Um, Can break a child's I'm, 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 I'm like assuming... the opening of Star Wars with the Star Destroyer coming in overhead. <laughs> <laughs> That's appropriate. And then just, yeah, just this, just this. Uh, they call him Huge Ackman for a reason, and he just comes I mean, descending and in, on into camera. That also sounds a bit like uh, uh, an X Men Origins Magneto film with Michael Fassbender at the end of the day. <laughs> just open these movies with these giant penises walking around. Magneto, girl on shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. A naked Wolverine, as we know him, played by Hugh Jackman, stalks through the snowy Canadian wilderness. I'm thinking tasteful nudity here. No, not necessarily any penis, but do you mean like if we Austin get if we, if we get if we get a glimpse of the penis? I'm not against that. You know, we need to have equal nudity in, sure, in Hollywood sure. these days. So if Hugh's happy to get all, to be fair, before we get into the bitch, I do feel very sorry for Hugh Jackman in this film because he's got a lot of running around naked <laughs> hey, in the hey, snow. Hugh, Hugh Jackman, much like the Leonardo DiCaprio, would do it for the role. I think he'd he'd, mm. he'd be fine oh, with he, that. He famously goes on about how much he hates like cutting all the weight to get super fucking yeah, jacked and stuff. And he's done, I can't remember whether it was The Wolverine or Days of Future Past. I think it was the scene in Days of Future Past where he is like exploding out of his own yeah. skin. Oh, he's so muscly. Because he didn't drink any fucking water or something. Because he, he, he dehydrates himself for like three days Beforehand. Which is what Hollywood makes so you, you get do like, if you're a male. Oh, star, yeah, that, that's, a... that's that's normal mm-hmm. apparently, and that's that's what also boxers and UFC fighters and stuff do in order to make weight cuts to make weight classes yes, and stuff yes. like that. It's madness. It's particularly bad at MMA. It's an incredibly bad practice and incredibly bad for your health. Mm. Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> mm. You have to deal with our body standards and have to literally kill yourself. Yep. And um, Henry Cavill is famous for being like, right, I will do this once. You will get all the scenes you need with me being super jacked mm. and then you can fuck off and i'm gonna go and eat donuts <laughs> but i'm also gonna work out like 15 hours a day yeah so i'm massive he also did but a yeah. film where he he was supposed to be a bit podgier as in like not muscly just regular dude and he said i'm never doing that again i would like to just keep a <laughs> standard kelp of what i actually do as my regular routine and just be that guy yeah You're like yeah fair. he's not doing it he's not doing a christian bail christian fucking bail he's only like 18 stone and then five stone it's like yeah. fucking hell christian jesus robert Christ. de niro and raging bull hench mm. fat anyway the naked wolverine you're welcome it was still the first line <laughs> Is hunting a deer, and over the next few minutes, he's able to stay downwind, track it, and pounce on it. As he delivers the killing blow, a wolf howls in the distance, catching his attention. Again, tying into the uh, dances with wolves thing here. Oh, we're getting a, we're getting a little thing. They're tying in with the Wolverine, where they don't understand what Wolverines are. <laughs> I mean, that's how this comic works. I'm afraid. No, no, no. So, I'm being facetious. Yeah. You yeah. can't go and live with a pack of Wolverines. That's <laughs> how Wolverines work. I work with some badges. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. He runs through the woods carrying the deer across his shoulders, and eventually is greeted outside the cave by a large grey wolf. Wolverine drops to all fours and drops the deer in front of the wolf. The rest of the wolf pack appear from the cave behind them and begin to dig into Logan's fresh kill. After eating, the Wolverine and his pack settle down to sleep inside the cave. Outside the cave, a large white bear prowls silently through the snow. A young boy wakes from sleeping under a tree. He's woken by someone shouting, Logan, and the sound of horses approaching. The boy runs through a beautiful garden towards a mansion. A few seconds before the horse-drawn carriage arrives at the entrance. Before they arrive, the Cockney carriage driver, Mr. Kenneth, um, hey, it's Bob Hoskins. warns his passenger, that nasty Logan boy and his old man shouldn't be trusted. The carriage arrives and he is greeted by the Howlett couple, as well as their groundskeeper, Thomas Logan. Kenneth helps the girl down and introduces her to the Howlett family. Her name is Rose O'Hara, and she is there to serve as a maid 
of the Howlet's sickly son, James, who is noticeably absent from the welcoming party. He continues to introduce the groundskeeper, Thomas, and his son, Dog. Rose nervously greets them with a well-practiced courtesy, and John Howlett welcomes her warmly to the Howlett estate, telling her that she'll love living there, and that he's sure she'll get along with his son, James. Over the course of summer, the three children explore the nearby countryside and play in the enormous estate gardens. Lying in the grass, watching clouds go by, climbing trees and balancing on fallen logs over a nearby river. James is hesitant and unable to fully involve himself in swimming in the pond due to his illness. He instead paddles by the side while the other two dive right in. This culminates in a game of hide-and-seek in the estate gardens. Rose is seeking while James and Dog hide from her. The boys have gone far and are hiding behind a tree on the other side of the pond, too busy bickering with each other to pay attention to Rose. So I obviously haven't read the comic. I assume this is very much in the comic, or is this your own? Yes, yeah. mm. yes. This this is a montage in the comic because it sounds um, like the fucking secret garden so far. Yeah, and I that hate is, that yeah. book. That is very much the tone of like a chunk of the book. Really, very much so. Interesting. Yes. I mean, I I yes. vehemently hate that fucking film and that fucking <laughs> book. I haven't seen the new one with Colin Firth, but I bet I fucking hate it. But this sounds interesting. Yeah, continue. Please. It's, it's it's a shame because I think the book has an interesting. I, I wish they'd committed to it, basically. Mm, um, I mm. don't. Th- I think they they try. Anyway, this is a, a whole conversation for another time. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, James teases Dog that he likes Rose, with Dog insisting that he doesn't. Do so versus do not, etc., etc. <laughs> Dog, eventually getting frustrated, shoves James into the pond. James can't swim and quickly begins flailing around in the water, calling for help. Rose hears this and comes running, shouting at Dog to save him. Dog grunts and reluctantly dies into the pond to save James. So the thing in the comics, Matt. Yes. They want you to try and work out which one is young Wolverine. Oh, is it gonna I be Dog? See. Is it gonna be James? And this is very much what I'm playing on here. Because at the point at the point this comes out, the audience probably won't have read that. No, comic, of course not. So I'm course gonna, not. I'm gonna mm. play on that theme. So we naturally assume on. it's not Sick Boy. Yeah, no, of course. Mm. There you go. Yeah, okay, now I, of, uh, I see where you're going with this. Cool, cool. I think the problem is I know who James Howlett is now because of hindsight and retrospect. Mm. But yeah, your time yeah. really... Yeah, that makes yeah. complete sense. Yeah. yeah. Cool. This is when this this is the first time that name is said yes. in those comments. Yes, exactly. like announced as, oh, he's, yeah, he's a kid called James. And this Got kind it. Of stuff. Got it. This is the, the tension and the mystery I'm kind of building. Oh, onto. I like it. I like it. Thank you for clarifying. As Dog drags James out of the pond, the scene transitions back to older Logan emerging from an icy river with a salmon skewered on his claws. Yes, Matthew, they are bone claws. Thanks for asking. I but am they're not, not happy. They're not the weird spindly claws. They're more like bone actual, blades. Like bone blades. They're bone blades. Thank you. It's I'm more okay like with a, that. Like like bony knives coming out of his fucking. Imagine like the adamantium claws didn't have metal on yeah, them, yeah, yeah, made, of bone, like, yeah. made of bone, for example. <laughs> I'm okay with that. They look like that. That's fine. Not, just as a not hint, some fucking elder wand nonsense from Harry Potter. Just not point out <laughs> his fingers. <laughs> I mean, in, 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 exactly. no! in Origins' defense, the bone claws look stupid in the comics too, and they kind of look like that. Um, Ugh, they do. Fucking hell. The cover of Origin Two is him doing like two claws. Yeah from his thing and dripping blood and stuff and it's like I think bone claws just having knuckles is a big problem but you do carry on Logan sees the white bear fishing nearby and cautiously retreats through the sights of a hunting rifle a hunter sees the bear beginning to circle Logan aiming to steal his catch Logan 
realising he won't escape without conflict, drops the salmon and stands up to full height. The hunter drops his sights, suddenly seeing that the other animal is in fact a man. The hunter calls out to get Logan's attention, but ends up drawing the ire of the bear instead. The bear closes the distance on the hunter as he fires at it, wounding the side of its face. The bear stands up and prepares to strike as Wolverine attacks it, trying to defend his fellow man. The hunter begins to reload, but Logan screams at him to run. Not needing to be told twice, the hunter flees as fast as he can. Logan and the bear fight each other briefly, but a wounded Logan is eventually forced to flee and collapses into the snow. Dog and James are standing in front of their parents, being asked for an explanation about the incident at the pond. Dog blames James, and Rose defends both boys while James stays quiet. John cuts off the arguing children and blames Thomas and his son. He tells Logan that he would have been flogged back in his day, and says he should discipline his son properly. Thomas resents John speaking down to him, but nods, says he will punish his son, and drags Dog away to their groundskeeper cabin. Rose hugs James as John stands protectively over them both. The three kids are once again playing hide-and-seek, this time in the estate's hedge maze. James is seeking while Dog and Rose are hiding. James finishes counting and heads into the maze. He's able to track them both and arrives as Dog is forcing himself onto Rose. James physically pulls a black-eyed dog away. Jesus. And Dog spins around, punching James. Talked about dark subjects. Oh, I know, yeah. It's got a bit of a Yep. Rose slaps Dog and flees away with James back to the house. Dog runs to his father, Thomas, and tells him how James punched him, but neglects to mention his assault on Rose. Thomas grabs his shotgun and says that they're going to make sure the Howlett boy and his father get what's coming to them. So building up the tension between the Logans and the Howlets there, mm. and... Another thing I'm kind of building the class divide, as mm. I mentioned, they kind of retreat back to this, Matt mentioned just now, the groundskeeper cabin that Thomas and Dog live in. It's very much like a rundown kind of shed type thing at the end of the garden, whereas the Howlets are living in this giant mansion. Of course. And this is kind of the years of tension and resentment kind of building up and, and, mm. and <laughs> boiling over. And yeah. Inside the house, John Howlett is comforting his son while Elizabeth is talking to Rose. Thomas storms into the room, screaming at how James is a spoiled brat and that the whole Howlett family treat the Logans like they're a different species. James tries to calm Thomas down, but the groundskeeper is having none of it. He continues shouting at the Howlets, brandishing his shotgun and not letting John get a word in. John suddenly tries to disarm Thomas, and in the struggle, the shotgun is fired into Howlett's stomach. Elizabeth screams at Thomas to leave, but Thomas keeps berating John even as he's dying on the floor. Mm. James lets out an almighty scream and charges at his father's killer, swinging wildly. Dog drags the boy off his father, and James continues lashing out. His newly revealed claws... Mm -hmm. Bone claws. His newly revealed claws slashing Dog across the face. Elizabeth looks absolutely horrified and goes to cradle Thomas as the wounds created by her son's claws begin to bleed through Logan's shirt. Elizabeth screams at James to get out of the house, blaming him for all of this and for killing his father. Rose picks up James, covered in blood, and runs out of the room and into the snowy countryside. Logan wakes after his battle with the bear, his wounds healed. He sniffs the air and looks down at a trail of blood and paw prints in the snow. In the distance, he hears a howl from his wolf pack, encouraging him to pick up speed. As he gets closer to their cave, he sees the body of one of the wolves and pauses to mourn. A bear's roar echoes through the forest, spurring Logan on again. As he arrives at the entrance of the cave, He's greeted by a bloody scene. His pack is slaughtered, and the bear emerges from the cave, a wolf cub in its mouth. That's pretty sad. Wolverine lets out a primal roar. I did say it was going <laughs> dark. I mean, I'm yeah. Killing, I'm killing puppies, basically. Yeah, yeah, but that's... that's and yeah. 
and a thing in in the actual origin comic they literally kill a dog in the comic but i took that out because it was too sad (laughs) no this is this is yeah also again Mm-hmm. Primal raw. This this is primal raw. Yeah, yeah. Appropriate primal raw kind of. I'm gonna go yeah. punch a bear in the face. Yeah, that's fair. Pretty much. Yeah. And lunges towards the bear. A brutal fight ensues with a heavily wounded Logan eventually triumphing. Again, as we always say, it's a sentence, but it's a ten minute sequence. Or something. Mm. It's, it's going to be a this long. This is a this is a full on fucking drag out battle with hopefully a very good practical CGI <laughs> bear. Don't know how they're going to do that. That's fine. Um. And, and Hugh Jackman being naked and ripped and covered in blood and fighting a big old bear. It's, it's the Revenant yeah. it's, it's, if Leo fought back. Yeah. It's the Revenant. If It's Wolverine versus the bear from the Revenant. Literally. Leo did fight back, yeah. but, you know, if he was... Yeah. <laughs> if he, if he, he had flaws in the healing factor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With his family dead and nothing left, the feral man speaks clearly for the first time and swears to return to the civilised world. So rather than being just a guttural... <laughs> it's now an yeah, actual... I'm imagining he just... Like he almost just screams the word "run," yeah. just like a just like Animalistic a sound, roar. A, yeah, a roar, yeah. rather than and it goes to, yeah. "I will have revenge upon the civilized world of man." Yeah, fucking hell, man! I gotta go back to the civilized world. You know what I mean? Crikey! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Rose and James are in the back of a horse-drawn cart, surrounded by other orphan children. They're heading to a lumber mill to be put to work. When they arrive, the foreman asks their names, and Rose hides their identities, calling James Logan as a fake name. James winces at the name, but doesn't argue. The foreman promises to put the boy to work in the woods, and the girl can work in the kitchen. For a while, they're able to live normal and hard-working lives. After an accident in the woods, James's fast healing power is exposed to his fellow lumberjacks. This causes some suspicion in the small community around the mill, and one of the workers, a large man named Cookie, begins bullying James for being a freak. Over time, Rose settles into the lifestyle and builds a relationship with one of her colleagues, while unknowingly turning a blind eye to James being bullied. Cookie's bullying of Logan culminates in a brawl outside. James once again loses control and unleashes his claws and rage on the larger man, gravely injuring him. The mill community side with Cookie, and they cast out the feral boy. James turns to Rose for some support and solace, but she sides with her new friends, condemning his violence. Heartbroken and alone, Logan is forced to run away into the wilderness. She's a spy, right? So it's all right. <laughs> she was she was a spy, but also in love with him the whole time. So and she it's dies, but then she's alive, and then, but then she and dies then she again. Dies. Fridged twice in the same film. <laughs> That's quite impressive. The adult Logan, Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, a.k.a., <laughs> has returned to the human world for the first time in a very long time. He's living a mostly stable life of drinking alone in bars and never settling in one place for too long. Classic Logan, drinking whiskey, hanging out in bars. Sure. A compilation of Logan travelling from town to town and bare-knuckle fighting ensues. This obviously ties into where we see him in X-Men 1, where he's the cage fighter, mm-hmm. lone warrior, road warrior type character. A few towns behind him, a scar-faced middle-aged man is always asking about him and where he's headed. Each time, the scar-faced man approaches the bar and simply says, Logan. The final time the man asks, the bartender points to the corner to reveal Logan drinking alone. The man shouts the name again from across the room. This, of course, catches Wolverine's attention, asking him what he wants. And of course, he finishes with Bub, of course. Mm. The man says he wants his name, he wants his life, and he wants to avenge his father's death. Revealing himself, 
to be Dog Logan, all grown up and played by Liev Schreiber. Mm-hmm. What sort of uh, period are you picturing this this kind of future bit in? Is this kind of just, I presume, just, I guess, 50 years before, uh, after the childhood stuff? Yeah, so the childhood stuff, he is like 12 or 13, mm-hmm. 14, something like that. Um, and then this, um, both actors are like in their late, mid, mid, late yeah. 40s at this point. So like True. 30 or yeah. 40 years later. So the, I think the comic is set in 1890 something yeah. or 18 something. Um, it doesn't particularly no. matter but when not, the comic is set. Certainly not modern it's, it's, day. It's late, like it hasn't brought us that no. far into so, the future. Yeah. So this is, this is full, like still frontier mm-hmm. Canada, frontier America, frontier North America. So all the, all the mansion, quasi-Victorian stuff, whatever the hmm. Canadian equivalent of Victorian is, um, is all sort of late 19th century, and then this is sort of early to mid-20th century, so it's probably like the, the 30s, yeah. something like that. Dog begins walking towards him, screaming vengeance and punctuating each sentence with a shot from his revolver. Filled with bullets, Wolverine f- refuses to fight back against Dog. Dog lays down a brutal beating, calling him James and verbally abusing him with every punch, and eventually drags his old friend out into the street. Dog tells James how his mother killed herself shortly after the incident. James finally snaps back into reality when Dog says he couldn't protect Rose and how she would have been better off with Dog. Wolverine fights back with full force, but without drawing his claws. Dog briefly holds his own, still talking about how sweet and beautiful Rose was and how much better she was than James. This keeps building James's rage and delivers the killing blow to Dog by finally unleashing his claws. His feral self once again, Wolverine breathes heavily as the streets fill with people staring in disbelief and disgust. Finally, he returns to his senses, withdraws his claws, and flees the town. And you can see where I went for a modern neo-western yeah, kind of. Do you actually understand? And uh, <laughs> PTA would be an interesting choice. I'm, I, I get it. I get it. So yeah, the the main influence is so origin comic has the whole James Dog Rose thing. It it gets a bit weird and. There's extra bits I cut out. There's a there's a grandfather who's a real dick who's a big influence on Too the family, much and he kind shit of to worry about, spe- yeah. yeah. I'm trimming all this bullshit out because I think Origin has some, as Tim said, has some really good ideas, but really gets bogged down and doesn't really fully commit to what it wants to be. And mm. my thing is is taking smaller parts. So the the first issue of Origin Two is the whole thing with the bear and the wolf pack. Mm. And at the end of Origin, he runs off into the wilderness, and Origin Two weird enough picks up basically straight away afterwards as he's a young man whereas i have cut forward a few years and yeah the whole this is the theme of losing family as i mentioned dysfunctional families mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that i mentioned in sort of ptas uh i can't keep calling pta and <laughs> in, in the pta themes of like loneliness and dysfunctional families logan loses both of his families in this film and the ghost of his past is obviously dog coming to haunt him and Rose, as you might not know, Matt, in the comics, mm. is a redhead because of course she is. <laughs> mm. yeah, so yeah. there's the, the ghost of the past yeah. of Rose and Jean and all that of kind course, of stuff. Of and that's why he suddenly falls in love with Jean straight away because she's the first woman who reminds him of Rose back sure. in the day. It all kind of ties together in that way as well. Well, I, I, I really like it. I, I I think, again, having not read the, the original source material, as it were, <clears throat> the inspirational source material, um, I think this is much more in keeping with not only the idea of uh, a Wolverine standalone that we've seen with the Wolverine and Logan especially, but if you were doing like these 
you know, main X-Men films and you wanted to do an original standout, something very, very different from these movies. I mean, to be fair, X-Men 1 and 2 are very, very dark in that regard, so it's not really that big of a departure in theory. But this feels different. This feels more mature. This feels like it's saying, in the way we get now, which is new wave horror and new wave um, comic book films, I was like, well, this is a real thing because people don't want to say this is a good comic book movie or a good superhero movie or a good horror film. They want it because it's you know, a genre piece. They want to say things like, oh, but this is different. Because this isn't, you know, you, this isn't your kids' yeah. film. This is this is a western that stars Wolverine. Yeah, and that is a huge theme for so many of Wolverine's mm. books. I'm thinking of the particularly Greg Rucker's run, which I really enjoy. Oh, Greg um, Rucker. Which mm. I have the uh, the uh, the Long Trail, the Lost Trail, where the Wolverine podcast mm-hmm. I've recommended before. I recommended in a previous Stitcher Premium ad sure. that we mentioned. Um, that is very much like him on the frontier, him being the guy drinking in the bar in the corner, and they're like, hey, what about you? And he's like, huh? Oh, <laughs> oh. He's all grumbly and kind yeah. of like, you know, wearing his wearing his fucking being plaid, a looking like a lumberjack and being a badass. And, yeah. yeah, being a drifter, kind of Mad Maxing it and just kind of going mm. from place to place and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, they, those are big instances. So the, what I took from Origin and from what I understand from the comics, and this is where my knowledge goes out, I have read some of Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men run. From what I understand, Dog Logan shows up way later as a member of the Hellfire Club, and it's a whole thing. I don't want any of that shit. Yeah. Because we know Dog Logan doesn't show up later in the in the films, so you've got to assume James Logan deals with Dog in this film, and he's kind of a one-and-done villain. He doesn't have to be tied to Wolverine in the saber-toothy kind of way, yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, I'll see you later on, and you're a fellow mutant, and all this kind of bullshit. Yes. Don't need any of that stuff. Dog Logan is a human for all intents and purposes, and is just a fucked up guy who had a terrible child and a terrible upbringing, mm. and happened to go down the wrong path and make the wrong decisions, and yeah, ended up resenting his mm. fond bear phrase, his his brother for it. So yeah, I I have one suggestion, shall we say, and two questions. More naked, huge. Uh-huh. That's that's not a question. That's a that's a that's a, that's a demand. <laughs> um, no, my two questions are more for clarification purposes. One, Wolverine is the only mutant in this film. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, I believe so. Not, not yes. a complaint. Just like a oh, that's because again, it's, uh, it's unless there's a, there's a fat guy that walks past and goes, "Did you call me blarb? <laughs> Did you call and me then, blarb?" Um, and that's, and that's it. Um, but yes, he is the only. He is the only one. Cool, and I like that. That's why it, it's not called X Men Origins mm. Wolverine. No, 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 because there ain't no fucking X Men in my movie. <laughs> and that's interesting as well because it does give the nature of this is before Magneto, who feels like one of the first ones, mm. basically in terms of the X Men universe that's been established in X One. Yeah. Basically, that's because cool. even even by the time. So if you take the Magneto thing of him dealing with like World War Two and all that kind of stuff, he's a kid in the forties. Mm. So this is. Even probably before Magneto was born, sure, sure. In the in like I said, in the thirties or or even in the twenties, whenever yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the conflict with Dog at the yeah. end is set, yeah. that is all pre Magneto, yes, pre exactly. kind of yeah. big, yeah, big projects and that stuff, which is good. I mean, we didn't actually cover this in our little breakdown earlier, unfortunately, but a, a, a thing that everyone sort of agreed on was the the title sequence of uh, oh, the film, yeah. where they show them in the Civil War, mm. they're all and stuff like that, Civil War, World War One, World War Two. Vietnam, Vietnam War. Everyone's like, yeah, this is cool. so cool. Why isn't this the movie? <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that's this is a much more interesting film than just going like lots of shitty war films. Um, question two. This doesn't cover anything about the memory loss stuff. Now, no, it doesn't. I don't have a problem with that as such. 
Um, because I think the problem, well, well, a main issue I have with the main X Men run uh, through Fox is they're so desperate to keep saying, and and he can't remember because this happens. It's like, oh, st- all right, yeah, Christ. that's that's my thinking. I thought about including it in some ways, and to be completely honest with you, so I had three, and I, I've done this before with my sure, pictures. Sure. Like, I have three completely different ideas, and mm-hmm, I need to pick fine. one to go with. So this is the based on origin and origin two pitch that I had, which is the origin of the man mm, James Howlett mm. who becomes Wolverine this is Logan's origin and I used that I said that that title in particular ties in mm. because he for want of a better phrase takes what well, is given the name Logan and becomes Logan stops being James and goes forward and just calls himself Logan mm. one word no surname mm. just you know drifter kind of style yeah um he's not called Wolverine at all in this film why it's not called Wolverine oh. Origins or Wolverine yeah, Origins or whatever. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Um, the other one, and Tim very much talked about this, is basically what they do in The Wolverine and you tackle Wolverine in Japan. Yeah. Because that is a fascinating story that is with good. Mariko and Yuiko and We've mentioned all these before kind of different about, characters. We've mentioned this before about the idea between Westerns and Samurai films as well. There's a bit of a mm. parallel frontier mindset. They, they sort of, he, he goes yeah. from being a frontier drifter to being a ronin, mm. basically. Yes, essentially. <laughs> Which is a great little like, parallel. It's really interesting. It is. It's, it is. Yeah, it's great. Um, and he does really well in that kind of setting. And I think he bounces off that kind of cultural differences and all that mm. kind of stuff really well. And the other option is do a Weapon X film where he the experiments are going on and maybe it culminates with him getting the adamantium claws and the memory loss in some form. See, I feel like... Those are my, those are my three plans, but I thought Weapon X was a bit too... Too close to <laughs> Origins Wolverine, and as you said, Tim, we've seen that in X Two already. Exactly we see say. him get yeah. the claws. And I'm just retreading that bullshit. So I wanted to do something that was completely separate mm. from anything we've seen. This is a prequel because yeah. it is the same character, but it doesn't lead, almost like Prometheus, doesn't lead directly into Alien. But you can see this is the growth of that character, yeah, yeah. and you can see how he you ends can, up being the guy the he dots. is at the beginning of X Men yeah. One. Precisely. Exactly. Yeah. There's a bunch of shit. What there's like seventy years between <laughs> the end of my film and the next film for him to do a bunch of other stuff, and that is where Weapon X would happen and the memory loss would happen and all the other bullshit. But I don't want to address that. Mm. I purposefully avoided that because I think every time they do the memory loss thing, it's a fucking adamantium yeah. bullet or a telepathic mind wipe. And if you can telepathically mind wipe everyone, why don't you do it all the fucking time? Yeah, there, there's a thing that where you just you bring out this Deus Ex Machina of like. Well, that solves all your problems. Men in black. So, yeah, exactly. You just do a little wipe thing. Like, I purposely avoided that because I think I didn't think that needs explaining. And if I did, I would probably be more likely to fuck it up than get it right. So I thought I'd try no, and I get it. that. I get it. For young James in parallel with an older but still younger Logan. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like what you've done here. And I think I think you made the right... I think the, the natural two stories to tell are either this or to do the the Frank Miller first ever Wolverine miniseries which is him in Japan um yes which isn't which which is exactly what you you suggested yeah. i remember when we first <laughs> discussed this and you were like well you just do frank yeah. miller and wolverine in japan right i'm like yeah i might yeah. do actually i actually went and read reread that again mm. i read uh, claremont's weapon mm. x and i obviously reread origin mm. and origin 2 for this and i was like hmm yeah i'm going to mm. i'm going to pick and choose and see what i, I think the, but, i think yeah. the only smart way to do the kind of uh the weapon x stuff the and the stuff that kind of uh larry harmer explored a lot in his comics is you have to 
I, I, I wouldn't culminate it with 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 the adamantium. I'd have that happen, you know, midway through. But I would I would mm, emphasize yeah. how feral Logan is at the start, and basically make the whole film about how because in the comics they essentially they implant memories into his head so that they can control him, and they kind of try and do that in in Origins Wolverine where where like Silver Fox in the comics like they have this whole relationship and then he think he re- he realizes that it's not true but then there's other evidence that suggests it is and it's basically Wolverine when he finishes being in the kind of the government control has no idea what his real memories are and what his fake memories are and it's and it's more of that than he can't remember it's that he cannot trust his own memories yes, because he's so yes. messed with and so yeah. i think you could do an interesting kind of almost like hallucinatory film uh like a fucking me- memento, yeah. but Wolverine. Yeah, like a memento with Interesting. And, Interesting. Uh, uh, about that kind of stuff. But, like you say, Weapon X has kind of been tackled by these these films. And there's a limit to how interesting that is. Um, and and it doesn't take a genius to kind of go, hey, that whole, uh, that getting the adamantium put in you, that looks really traumatic. Memory loss mm. may well have happened from that because the mind was just like, it's too much blanket out yeah that's how they explain it in the yeah. comics mm. so he has an incredibly traumatic event and it's his healing factor kicking in and protecting yeah. him that makes sense he has like mega ptsd mm. and then mega like retroactive memory loss like um what's selective mm. memory kind of True. thing where his healing factor selects the memories that keeps him from going mm. mad and his healing loss like cranks the ptsd up to a factor of 11 and just wipes it all from yeah. his brain which eh, i guess that works yeah, it's fine but it's I th- comics i think that i do worry that kind of trivializes ptsd mm, a little bit that's and that's true. why i didn't really want to yeah. tackle that and i yeah. want to kind of you know be be cautious of that obviously i did tackle some pretty dark stuff in here you've got you know teens sexually assaulting mm. each other and a man mur- murdering a bear with his bare hands and all this kind yeah. of stuff. And uh, I, I kind of hint at, and it, it's way more graphic in the comics. So dog, dog stupid fucking name. But I yeah, it is. Dog kills a dog, kills James's puppy in the comics. And that is actually what culminates in the big fight in the comics. John Wick. Whereas you can't, you can't keep, yeah, you can't keep control of your boy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And John Howlett Sr., the, the grandfather who's in the comic for some reason kicks off and James and John and John Sr. and Thomas and it's all this big fight. Um, you also quite literally see Elizabeth put the shotgun to her head in, mm. a, in a physically impossible way of like like a Kirkapane yeah. style. You must have pulled it with your big toe mm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the just really kind of, I don't know, maybe it's just a shock factor kind of thing. It's a bit... It's a bit too much for me, and mm. I kind of dialed that back yeah. and kept it focused on a couple of different things. And so the abuse of dog from Thomas is also not he he does occasion you do see him hit him a couple of times, and then he like offers him a drink to like mm. you know make him feel this will heal up your wounds, mm. kid. Keep drinking this. And also in the comics, Thomas Logan is Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Adult Thomas just looks like yeah. Wolverine, and. I hint at it in this, and it is very much confirmed in X-Men Origins Wolverine, even though we have no context for it, and that's why that scene doesn't fucking work. Mm. And what it is told in the comics is that Thomas Logan is actually James's 
father and Elizabeth has had an affair with the groundskeeper and Dog and James are actually biological brothers. Mm. And it's a whole thing. And I have that where, which happens in the comics, Elizabeth goes and cradles Thomas's body, not James's mm. body when the big fight and they yeah. both die. And she blames James for killing her father, which is actually Thomas. Mm. And turns out James is actually James Logan all mm. along. So him taking that name obviously has the trauma of that's the man I killed. That's the, mm. you know, my childhood friend who hates me, all this kind of stuff. But that is his identity. Mm. And I always found I, I, it took me the recent reread of this because that the moment where they're traveling on a train in the comics, Rose and James are after the escape. And Rose goes, oh, sir, his name's Logan. And James just goes, Mur, doesn't say anything. I'm like, why would she pick yeah. that name? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so like weird. the most of like, oh, here's this little Jewish boy. What, what, what are you going to call yourself? Hitler? Like, what? What? Why? What? No. You, why would you pick the most traumatic fucking? Yeah, that speaking is. Speaking of PTSD, yeah. the thing that would trigger your fucking PTSD mm. for this kid. Mm. She's like, oh yeah, I'll just name you after your abusive father slash abusive brother, who you killed, by the way. But in in this, I feel it's is James kind of letting in my rereading it and me interpreting. It, I think giving more credit to it than it's worth because I think it's a weird moment in the <laughs> comic still. I wanted to play it as he realizes he is a Logan. He is James Logan biologically. Mm. And this is him saying goodbye to James Howlett because that is the boy that killed Thomas. That is the boy that, you know, tried to live with Dog and, and John and Elizabeth and all that kind of stuff. And this is him embracing his new life and just being like, I am a monster. And Logan, the name, is a name for monstrous people. Mm. So I'm embracing myself. And as hard and hard as he tries to push it down, as, as Gavin Hood kind of mentioned, mm. like dealing with the savagery of Wolverine, it, it, the key fucking thing about that character is dealing with his animalistic side and dealing with his human side, and they culminate in him having to deal in with the the larger picture of like mutants in the world. But I really wanted to explore the world around him and how that reflects his savagery back at him and how him struggling to be human is ultimately you know, a moot point because he always has to revert to his animal instincts and his feral side and unleashing his claws mm. to survive and keep on going. And because, again, as we talked about in Solo, Wolverine learns lessons in the X-Men movies. He learns to become a better person mm. and a teacher. Yeah. And he gets the whole emotional arc from his relationship with Rogue and his relationship with Professor X. Prequel issues. Dynamic with Gene and all this kind of bullshit. So you can't do that emotional arc again. You can't have him be like, I'm a good guy at the end of the day and then roll on to the next film where he learns to be a good guy again for no reason. Mm. It's like, I still have to have him be this animalistic feral Wolverine by the end of it where he kind of has to embrace it to survive so that he then has the room to grow later on mm. when we see him in X-Men 1. It, I mean, Solo is kind of an appropriate comparison because we talk we talked in that about how like do you start out with Han Solo really happy-go-lucky and then like life just shits on him until he becomes mm, a cynical person yeah, and yeah. that's kind of what happens to to James Howlett slash Logan slash Wolverine is very that, much so like yep. the and 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 the, the the comic is good at this but I think I I kind of wanted more of it I kind of wanted more of their idyllic childhood and to see the the relationship between him and Dog and Rose and I think like a, mm. an adaptation would be a really like like your film would be a really good way of doing that I think you could and you've got a good crop of young actors there who could make those relationships work um and so 
to have that suddenly shattered by this this like quite sudden interruption of violence into it that just kind of shatters his world mm. is is a really powerful thing um my my kind of slight worry is whether you need when uh it's him and rose on the mm. in the kind of the timber camp whether you need a kind of middle casting of them in their like late teens, early twenties. A little older, yeah. yeah. That's how it works in the yeah. comics. They are older, and they kind of yeah, they they travel around for a bit, and they stay there for years yeah. and years and years, and he becomes like a young man, and it culminates with him running away into mm. the wilderness as a yeah, like a guy in his late teens, early twenties. Yeah. I guess it's kind of implied that kind of thing. I thought. I thought about that and tried to think of like middle casting mm. and stuff, but I just yeah, I agree with you. That's that's probably the right way to do it. I think I think yeah. that's yeah, totally I valid. So. Yeah, and, and, and so I might I probably extend that sequence a little bit, make it a bit more yes three structure. But it's not it's not like and I, I, I think I, I think that's an interesting patch to look at with him being in this kind of traumatized but not fully. Uh, and dealing and dealing with the fact that he is a mutant and he knows he has these claws, he has this this healing factor that he discovers over the course of it, but he hasn't kind of fully given into the the feral side of him yet. And yeah, that 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 interesting kind of midway down the fall before he's just off in the woods, you know, be, yeah, true. being an I animal. Think that's a that's a good point. Yeah, I, yeah. I would also Some middle casting in there somewhere. I would also my only uh, uh, suggestion, as I mentioned earlier is a bit of uh narrative teasing so we have the the bookend as it were so we've got the 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 one story that runs through which is the the adult logan the feral adult logan and then we have all the various flashbacks etc at now various ages i would probably intersperse a little bit and very quietly without actually revealing too much the whole dog going to places saying logan Mm. Because I think we got used to that. He's always been going from town to town. I like that he might have been searching for a while. I think just just a, interspersed yeah. might be something. Again, maybe do some middle casting there, or just so I would keep him very like unrevealed, if that makes sense. Because yeah. as soon as you reveal, as soon as you reveal the scars, oh, and it's obviously which, yes, obviously yeah. James James gives him to him as he runs away, kind mm-hmm. of thing, as he lashes out. Um, I really like that idea. Almost like the um, I'm thinking, oh, what's the the Saint of Killers in. Uh, preacher yes exactly he's just almost like this this ever walking unstoppable force of nature that is I, just, I think that's very much uh, and you Im- just see every what 20 minutes mm. half an hour into the film mm. you get another interspersed scene of another guy walking into a bar and saying logan and then that's i it. think that's the thing as well and it, that's a cool uh, that's a cool idea you're right graham mctavish is fucking great in that role he's he's great in a lot of things actually he's he's one of the mctavish is totally underrated the yeah, hobbit he's, he's fucking genius in castlevania but anyway um, Uncharted games, he's fantastic it, in the Uncharted agreed, games. Agreed, and I think that would be like, for example, when you got the, the you know uh, Logan's trying to, uh, sorry, Wolverine is trying to scare off the. I had that problem. I know, yeah. Logan fights Logan and punches <laughs> Logan in his Logan. So yeah, for fuck's sake. Hugh, Hugh Jackman, thank you. Uh, that, I, that I had to do that at some yeah. point. A naked Wolverine. <laughs> Wait, do that? Do I mean so an animal? Yeah. No, no. A, he, a Hugh Jackman. He aids the hunter with the whole run thing, right? Yeah. I think there might be yes. a, a, a scene, for example. Right, in the town, for example, where he goes back or something like that, and then you have the whole so that Logan that that is an unwritten scene in oh, my film. Yeah, yes. brilliant. The the hunter like he's walking around, and the hunter would be like, "I'm I'm looking for this kind of guy, this feral mm. guy I've heard of." Blah blah blah. I'm looking for Logan, 
And the guy goes, I saw something like that. I saw a man out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. He had he had these claws, and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that happens in the comic, and Dog just like breaks his neck for no reason. And it's like re- it's real weird. Yeah. I'm like, okay, not that fine. Bit, but but I like. I think yeah. there's also I should point out. I think that works really well. We, we, yeah. st- yeah. I would like to think you wouldn't see the characters, obviously not face, but really not much of anything, just this presence, and you mostly see people reacting to him, and then him leaving. So you think, who the fuck is this? A little yes, Anton Chigurh yeah. in places as well. That very much so. Yeah. Yes, and again, yeah. which works with the frontier justice mindset of like this. Yeah, yeah. But I like well, it. I, I like I, it a lot, man. I almost, I almost jokingly put the Coen Brothers as the directors <laughs> again. <laughs> be, Interesting. Be, they would never work in a um, movie. You yes, could, you could. Speaking of like, this film is not funny enough. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, speaking of like Cody Smith McPhee, for example, again, mm. John Hillcoat might work. I know he's obviously doing the right yeah. one, but there are lots of people yeah. when you get when you know what the tone is that you're going for. But having said that, again, I can't stress enough. 310 to Yuma, I really, really like that movie. I really like 310 to Yuma. And I think yeah. Mangold, if if he had the control from the start and made this kind of first Logan establishing film, I think the Wolverine, the you know, the Japanese adventures, would have a much more grounded approach. I think it would make the trilogy more thematically. Oh, completely. And it, it would be really because, I think that would be that's Because a, obviously mm. I'm very much drawing on Logan, the film. That obviously I have the foresight of, of knowing course, of in course. the future this is going to happen. So I'm, I'm. This is my prequel to Logan, <laughs> <laughs> rather, rather than my prequel to X Men One mm. or The Last Stand or however you want to put it. But yeah, this is me kind of doing that. So I, that would make sense having. No, that I think kind that's really good. In, in tying in and yeah, in the classic sort of compliment, I can issue something we we do with sequelizers and prequelizers, etc. Is that I really wish this existed, and I really wish I could see it because. It's one of those examples whereby had had someone like Mangold or, some, or just this kind of consistent tonal theme running throughout this trilogy, it could be up there with what we consider to be like a Marvel film, mm. um, where it's like, this is the right tone from start to finish. Like Cap, First Avenger, Winter Soldier, Civil War. I know Civil War is very Avengers-y, but the point is it still has a tone throughout that is consistent because the character is clear um, and not just a list of things he has to do i schnicked etc um unfortunately he does do that in the comic as well that's the character that's fine it's but that's not it's not it's not gratuitous i think is the word Mm. i'm looking for here but i like it i like this a lot yeah i think like as with a lot of our films like it would be such a bold move on fox's part if they made this (laughs) um and and nigh impossible for them to market beyond just being like hey you really like uh fucking hugh jackman come see hugh jackman he fights a bear in this one Um, i i think they would i yeah i i do think if it's 2008 you've got three really fun really serious very mature films Mm. in iron man bear with Mm. me Considering what Iron Man was and what people used yeah. to, it wasn't what they were expecting. So Iron Man was grounded as fuck, mm. really. Iron Man, The Dark Knight, and this Logan movie. Yeah. That would not change the landscape, but be very, very, very informative mm. for what mm. came next. Again, I think First Class would still be First Class, but it would be a bit less colourful. I think mm. it would still be quite gritty. And again, the Wolverine would come out after that. Yeah, I think it could be very, it could have been really interesting. Yeah. And I think you've done a really good job of, of kind of taking the the bits about mm. the origin comics that work um, and jettisoning some of the 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 convoluted and the the mess. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I think the uh, 
I was very much in a in a place with this pitch where I was happy with where I got it to, but I knew you guys would be able to come in and I I'd kind of guessed Tim has probably read it, maybe Matt hasn't, maybe has, I'm not sure. And the fact that you two brought in your inputs and have done little tweaks and little structural things and little like, oh, maybe this director and maybe we have this scenes happen instead. And that's pretty much how I pictured huh. it happening. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very, very pleased with the the final product we would have with the three of us contributing to it, I think is a really cool... It's one thing about the, the current f- structure, and let's face it, not the current, it's the future, it's the future. <laughs> um, but the, the, the this structure of, of sequelizers and prequelizers, etc., that I really like... Um, I, I really think this works best for us. The, the competing head-to-head, it's nice, it's fun, can get very brutal and very uh, knives out, and also lots of um, lots of pitches, lots to sit through. Yep. Um, the, the, the we'll make it up as we go, series four sort of thing, collaboratively, very difficult to do, interesting concept, mostly worked. This one is, I think, the perfected one for me personally, because I think us as a writing room working together is... Yeah, we said. I mean, remember you said this when you suggested mm-hmm. it. Is this is a glimpse into the writers' room? I'm like, if this, if we were Benioff, Ayer, and Goya, God forbid, <laughs> if we were all called, if we were David Stogden, David Chambers, and David Mayton, sure, then we would. This would be our like gathering together and like, how do we do this thing? Benio, I'm the Benioff. Dip, dips on Ayer. That, that's a that's that's gross. Oh, um, I'm Goya. <laughs> It's because I have no hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how it works, I'm afraid. Um, and yeah, that's the three of us kind of come together, and I do the original. I do the original script, so I'm like the, the, the first screenwriter, and then you guys come in and do the edits and do the the adjustments and all that kind of stuff. And I think it would work <laughs> really, really well. Yeah, mm. but with with less uh, bloated Hollywood pat on the back each other. Oh yeah, I'll shove Deadpool in there. I know you liked him. <laughs> Deadpool turns up. Really? Nope. <laughs> I mean, Deadpool, yes, in a post-credit sequence, breaks the fourth wall, pretends it's the end of Ferris Bueller's day off, and says, hey, go home. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't fit at all. No, we just did it, though. I'm sure you all have a lot of opinions about X-Men Origins Wolverine. Shove them assuming... up your ass. <laughs> no, we want to hear them. Oh. I, I, not about my pitch. You leave my pitch alone. <laughs> about the original film. Yes, yeah, I'm fine. sure a lot of people have a lot of things to say. And I assume the Discord is going to absolutely explode when this episode comes out because <laughs> oh, there's this like, is yeah. right in our wheelhouse of nerdery. <laughs> and I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of our fans are very along similar sort of lines, oh, yeah. similar sort of age groups as us and all that kind of stuff. So they're going to get stuck in. Uh, if you would like to hit us up on social media or, like I said, join our Discord server, you can go to twitter.com slash sequelizers the discord link is pinned at the top of our profile that is the place to follow us on twitter we're also sequelizers on instagram and facebook as well so you can follow us on there we post little teases of upcoming episodes we post little things of us behind the scenes and doing all that good stuff so if you want to see us recording remotely when we occasionally bump into each other during lockdown because norwich is so small we can't help it very true and all the other bits and pieces check us out on social media if you want to follow me, I am JLW Chambers on all the various social medias. I've not been very active in lockdown. I'm just not feeling very, you know, social media stuff. But I am very active on the Discord channel. So there's mm. a little balance. I've kind of refocused my energy into that a bit. I mean, you have so, been doing uh, a lot of writing and editing, to be fair. That's true. That's also true. And yeah. living. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 we'll see how I'm doing with the living. Mm. <laughs> um, coping, maybe, is a better idea. That's fair. Um, but yeah, yeah. Come and join us on the Discord. 
hit me up on the social medias if you want to. Matt, how can I hit you up on social media? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, on all the stuff. I'm, uh, I, I have an array of an opinions. I, I just basically fucking force them out my face, and regardless of absolute care of people's opinions or feelings. Because, you know, that's what most white men That's do. what the internet's um, for. That's what the internet's for. Um, at the minute, my current trends, based on when we're recording, is just the injustice of this fucking awful hellhole of a world we live in and anime. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, just trying to balance it all out. Um, but yes, you can, you can really, and obviously I talk about films and all things, and, and uh, as, as Jack had mentioned, the Discord's always a good place to catch me out with the exact same name. Um, you can also go to theredrighthand.co.uk. I know I keep promoting it. I know I've not been writing any reviews recently, but that's partly because, again, cinemas are closed down. I could be doing more reviews, but I'm doing a fuck enough as it is. <laughs> Back off. Um, and cheesemint.com is where we make films and things like that. Again, it seems quite, it's quite quiet. It's not. I'm editing around about like 25 fucking episodes in one go as well as still trying to film bits and pieces when the lockdown ends. So, you know. We even did some some socially distant filming. Yeah, we did. At some point. We did. Yeah, it's it uh, it a whole thing. It's difficult. Wrapped Tim. It was very good. Anyway, that's me. Timothy Mason, the best of us. The man. <laughs> uh, resident no. expert. Yeah, I was going to say our hour and then introduce the best, like, like Captain America is the best of, of the Avengers to me. I don't think there is one for the X-Men. They're all wankers. So, um, Tim. The best of us full stop. Where are you at? Uh, you can find me... Well, th- first of all, thank you very much, Matthew. No, Tim. Thank you. Uh, See, I wouldn't have thanked you for that compliment because I'm not the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me at trivia underscore lad on Twitter uh, where I will post anything interesting that I'm doing, um, writing stuff uh, sometimes about comics and things around the internet. Um, and yeah, at the moment, it's mostly just uh, despairing... Um, slash uh, bellowing about politics because uh, the yeah. world's on fire. Um, but uh, yeah, and as as just to reiterate, like as these guys have said, Discord, always great. Loads of great chats going on there in about our show and films and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, you can also check out our website, which is just sequelizers.com, where uh, you can listen to the show and you can also find our merch store, um, with our t-shirts, our fancy t-shirts designed by the wonderful John Scarrett. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, if you fancy displaying your loyalty uh, that way, you can pick up uh, one of those and, uh, yeah, enjoy our very fancy logo. Of course, another way to support the show, if you are in any way able to, is through Patreon. We have multiple tiers ranging from $1 all the way up to 50 and plus and whatever you want to offer us really um obviously we know we trust trust us we fucking know times are really fucking hard and money is really tight for everybody so it is not an an active uh we're not gonna be disgusted basically put it that way um we fully understand the situation everyone is in obviously um but again if you can support the show it helps us do this and it helps us do it the quality we like to think is of a very high standard um and we obviously give a lot back we like to think so you know, there's there's episode picks per season for certain tiers. There's tons, and I do mean this now because obviously we've got quite a backlog, tons of extra audio content. So if, for example, you were like, I haven't actually done that yet, and you gave us $10, you have commentaries, outtakes, extra bonus things like chats that go on for two hours, for example. They're whole episodes, basically, in-season content. They always go on for two they hours. Always go to- we recorded one, hmm. um, the one from a couple of weeks ago, uh, we did an extra bit for Solo, which we said would be 15 minutes. Wasn't. 
it's much fucking longer. Um, it just it just spools because we like talking to each other. And we, get, we obviously get on with these subjects. Point is, you have access to all this stuff, including discount off of the merchandise and all these cool things. And when things get back up and running again, when like you know you can print more t-shirts and things, we'll do more stuff. Um, so if you can, Patreon.com/sequelizers. If you can't, that's perfectly fine. Reviews and sharing the word about the comics, engaging with us, that's all really really helpful. So thank you very much. Speaking of Patreon, we do have an obligation, obligato, and that is to our executive producers. First up, we have Stuart Main. Also known as Arkham Fright on Discord. Correct. Second up, we have Jonathan Firth Clark. Also known as J Firth Clark on Discord. Mm. And our third executive producer, Mike Salvia. Known as... The word we can't pronounce. Mortrager on Discord yes. and social media and stuff as well. Yeah. Mm. And I should point out, those three producers are the named producers. There is, and as we'll probably date the show, as there is one producer who doesn't want to be named. Mm. A mysterious fourth producer. <laughs> but this is an open mysterious tier. Mysterious benefactor. And you can become part of it and you can be named on the show if you'd like. That's perfectly fine. You can need, as we've said before, you could put it on your CV or resume that you are an executive producer of the show. We will back you up and say, yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> well, we're, we're, a real, we're a real company. We're a company. You can actually, yeah. yeah. Sequelizers Limited is a real thing that exists. <laughs> mm. and it still, still blows my mind a little bit. Mm. But it's a real thing. We're a business. <laughs> and if you want us on your CV, you know what to do. Feel Free, it also I makes guess. it sound yeah. like we're going to show up to a film set with a like a van with our logo on the side, just like burst our way on and just be like, "No, no, lads, you're doing it all wrong." That is what we're going to do. If and, we're if buying and a, when I get a van, that's a stretch that's goal at ten grand. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bit low. That's a stretch goal at so, twenty so grand. A mystery machine. Is to get an A team van and just din, 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 <laughs> smash in through Hollywood and say, "Nope." <laughs> it's also a time machine as well, just so you know. Yep. <laughs> it may be a bit higher than twenty thousand dollars stretch goal. <laughs> So with that, I think we've fixed it. I think the only thing left to do to close out this episode is give a Wolverine scream. Are you guys ready for a bit of a primal roar? Ah!